La 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 la. Okay. La 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 uh, la. Jars as well. Hello, hello. La la Everybody. la okay. la. So I'm just enjoying this. Okay. Oh, yeah. Mike Kidwell was complaining this week about the the bass not existing. So I'll do my best to keep it in the bass. And the the theme song more bass. Yeah, we DJ Sprilla. We gotta give him more shouts. La 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 la. Cut this scene. Podcast sucks. Hello, everybody. This is John Seth, and I'm here with my co-host, Sean, a.k.a. King David. And you're listening to John Seth's World. It's my world. It is your world. It's my world. We're going to talk a little bit about my world. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a great day in uh, the Bitcoin world. We've been doing a lot of Bitcoin things. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about ICOs lately. You have, yeah. Well, they're you know, there's they're something to think about. Where, where did it, where did the ICOs go? Where did they go? Because like, remember, remember, like, I don't know. I mean, like a long time ago, uh, about three months, mm-hmm. everybody was doing an ICO. Everybody. And now, well, where where is they? Well, where is them? Where's the ICOs? Everything's so. Where they at? Yeah. Where they go? Everything seems so price dependent. Where they at? I feel like half the ICOs took the money and ran. <laughs> at least the other half, like might might be paying somebody to work on. I don't something. know what they're doing. I don't I, know. It's very funny to me. Like where where they at? Yeah. Well, are it, there new ICOs? Like where they at, Sean? I think that when the price goes down, I think that you, I think they're avoiding doing an ICO, or they're trying to time their ICO for when the price starts going did, up. Did again. I tell you? Did I tell you that like this week I was I was looking at there was a questionnaire sent out by Inc uh, for the Inc five thousand. Oh yeah, and uh, they were they were asking if you, as a person who is on the Inc five thousand, did an ICO this year. <coughs> as a question for like just a que- as a question for the questionnaire, like I just I was laughing. I was sitting there thinking like I, I don't think that they know uh, quite what these. I mean, like if you've done an ICO this year. And you're on you're on that list. I mean, you're probably counting, um, you're probably counting your ICO gains as revenues. Like it's not an investment from somebody, which makes perfect sense because you have no fiduciary obligation. At all. I'm looking right right now at the ICOs that are coming up on ICOCountdown.com. Um, I've never heard of any of these. Okay. Arbitau, Ekronos, <laughs> Ftech, Lexit. Lexit, I like that one because they're telling you what they're going to do with your money. Yeah, they're going to Lexit scam. Kuras, uh, Horio, Ubex. I bet that's Uber, but for the blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! There's so, there's 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 way too many. I mean, as a hedge fund manager, I was trying to keep up to, <laughs> up with these about a year ago around this time, and like that that site just got like destroyed. Dude, with there's new so projects many every IBO, goddamn day. I, IBOs, ICOs. Um, uh, Ubex is the f- Future of advertising. Uh, <laughs> it's a decentralized advertising exchange. Come on, guys. Get the fuck Come out. on. Well, I don't... Are, the ones that are going on now, like, are, are, are people actually putting as much as they were? I don't know. I don't think so. I, they can't be, right? That money had to stop. That money because I feel like we'd stop. be hearing more reports of, like, $100 billion for poop on the blockchain. Yeah, well, th- I, I don't think that anybody's giving money to these things anymore. I think they're, like, probably, like, you know, raising, like, $6,000 each. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but like it just seems like the ICO, there was like a, a, a quick time of maybe like four months where it was hot, and now it's kind of like just dying down. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a little, D- I mean, I'm a little sad because that was fun. Dying was down a fun for few months. Yeah, but dying down for now, dude. Like I, 
especially if like ink is asking questions like that, dude. Like, let's say we have another price run up, whatever to whatever. I, I don't care what the price is, but like everything goes up again. Yeah, and all the I I I feel like the regulatory environment and the environment in general is is such that you're just gonna have a whole new wave of the of these things. Right. <sighs> yeah. Uh, maybe. maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Like, 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 does it does does it does it have any reflection of what's happened in the past? Does it does it just well, okay. So with the, it, with the ICO the stuff, exchange, the like ICO thing is very strange because everybody wanted to get into crypto, right? But nobody wanted to get into Bitcoin, which is funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, because everybody was like, oh, the, well, all this Bitcoin's got, dead. It's spam. It's spam. Everybody it's wanted to get rich on a new so thing. Expensive. Everyone got like, like. Did you see that 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 video uh, with the women who were saying they wanted to like get here so the men could? Oh. It was it was one of the funniest videos I've ever seen. They. Uh, it's it's we 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 need to get into Bitcoin because otherwise we're going to give men all the money again. Right. But they're it's 2018. They're too fucking late. Like we already <laughs> did this. Like they're here because it's been de-risked. Yeah. They didn't like it because it was highly risky. Now like now it's too late. Like you can maybe still make money. Like there's plenty of money to make in Bitcoin, but you you aren't going to have the Roger Veer esque gains that he got for being an idiot and uh, just sitting on his cash. Right, right. So, like, you know, good luck with that. It's also interesting that like women, women right. coming into a space is a metric of like it's the risk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, all of the women oh are here. God. I guess. I guess. It's, oh, okay. Well, I, I, guess I guess it's, like, it's, I guess it's, it's time to go all in. You know, like. Right. I, I mean, it worked. <laughs> we, we good. It's it's de risk. Although I think they're gonna all like put their money into like really like I don't know vagina coin or something like that. Like yeah. a feminism. Coin. <laughs> They're gonna get scammed. Like they don't know what they're oh, up yeah. against. So oh, we're gonna yeah. get here. Like, uh, crypto's de-risked. Look, oh, we we'll put yeah. it in the feminism coin. You can use it for your feminism stuff. Are outside of the space in norm, like normal times, are, are are women? Well, are women more likely to get scammed than men? Or yes. Like, well, yes. You know what's really funny though? By the way, I, I was thinking about this. Like, what okay. what if there were a coalition of men who were like, we need to make sure that we are the only ones who stay here, so that we can keep the women from getting rich. Blockchain white nights. Yeah, the, well, right. Just like, well, not, uh, we gotta protect the woman from scams. Gotta protect from scams. <laughs> no, like, you gotta do the opposite. Just, like, like if a bunch of men said that we we should make sure that we are here so that women can't get rich. Like what would <laughs> what would happen? Like what would what would like Elizabeth Stark do, or like some other like some other like feminist in this space? What would they do? They would they would have a conniption. Yet there's like uh, it's okay for the women to say they need to be here so that the men can't get rich again. Yeah, which I think is really funny. Yeah, well women can get rich too. It's very easy. You let the men go get go do something really stupid. Yeah, you then go select them for mating. Yeah, you marry them and then you divorce them and take their money. Yeah, very easy. That's that's it's a low risk way of getting money. If you're a woman, that's the best strategy to implement here. Women are just okay. So here's, it's the same thing as like business. So for example, like. You have like uh, wildcatters in oil. They go out, they find like uh, places to drill. They try it. Most mm -hmm. of the time they go bankrupt, but sometimes they find a big strike. And then like t Exxon comes in and like buys the strike. Okay. Yeah. So like that's, Interesting. that's, that's the role of women. They're Exxon Mobil. <laughs> men, men are the ones who go bankrupt. Women yeah. are the ones who profit. Yeah. That's, that's my take on all of this. <laughs> that's how Bitcoin ought to have worked. Like we went, we were like, men were speculating. They tried like e-gold. Oh, men in Dadella. And uh, they were, they were like, like yeah. e-gold and whatever. And, uh, and then the women came and, and like after we have found the one that worked, we think, Bitcoin, then mm -hmm. they can come in and they can, they can buy up the strike. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's 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 the well. So so you know, you think of services, you know, actual Bitcoin companies. You know, you need a dating service specifically right. for, for for Bitcoiners. For Bitcoiners, for, for, yeah, yeah. I I don't think women get this. Men are benevolent. We do this so that you can take it. Mm-hmm. That's why we do this. Yeah. Well, because if you think about it, I'll, there are men out there that want the whole, you know, family, kids, wife, except sex. Who, who? And 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 <laughs> at the end of the day, I think more and more men realize that half is what they're gonna have to give up for that. You give up half. You give up half. You, you did all of this work. You did the you did the wildcatting. Mm-hmm. Now you got to find an Exxon Mobil. Yeah, it's fine. It's just fine. You got paid up front, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that I, I find that stuff to be very funny. But it, with regard to ICOs, I gotta say, like, I, I think I, I think that what Inc. Magazine and these other people don't realize is that these are very obviously scams, and mm-hmm. and they're scams for a number of reasons. But number one. Pretty much every ICO, I can't think of one that I think is like a great idea, but pretty much every ICO is going to fail, number one. Number two, uh, I think that there's like this changing of what entrepreneurship is. I used to think that like entrepreneurship was like a highly respectable um, respectable sort of like pastime where you come in, you find like an inefficiency, and then you risk everything you have to go try to exploit that inefficiency, right? right. And profit from it. So like you put a lot of effort in, it's a very, very low reward, high, high risk, High, highly expensive to the person. The risk is on the individual. Um, but, but ICOs and decentralized apps generally, what they do is they take all of the risk. And because there's no fiduciary assi- duty assigned with like the purchasing of ICOs, is they displace the risk from the entrepreneur who usually uses that risk that they have invested themselves in uh, to go out and work themselves. That is the incentive to work. Right. ICOs change the risk profile and they move it to the investor who has no control over the company. Right. So there's no, there's no, like, uh, there's no uh, incentive for an entrepreneur to continue, which means that like, if there's no incentive, for, like, why would you think that an entrepreneur would continue to work if there's no incentive for them to work? Right, because, because they're benevolent, because they want to Right, like, they like already they, made all their money. Yeah. And the other thing is, is because they're the blockchain, they're not even the owners of the company. Like we can, we, apparently the SEC is okay with us saying like, it was a decentralized app, nobody owned it. So like at the entrepreneur, the person who came up with the idea to like build a refrigerator box time machine can then say that they're empl- employed by the blockchain mm-hmm. and just give themselves a salary out the gate. And yeah. an obscene one, because there's no fiduciary duty. Right, and you can attest to this, even if they have the best that's, intentions, that's what I did. Well, but well, <laughs> but, but, but as an entrepreneur, even even if you have the best intentions to deliver, like even if they have the best intentions to deliver on what they what they raise money for, um, in life you get put in situations where you're not going to make the right sacrifices that an entrepreneur would normally have made. You're like, there's there's no incentive there to keep when the going gets tough to keep with those projects. Like, well, why not? Why, like any if, opportunity you have to like dismiss it or not do it, you're going to take those. Well, I think, I think that like f- fundamentally like there's a, the ICO business strategy is, I, 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 pick, I pitched this a few years ago mm-hmm. and I think that the ICOs have actually figured out how to do it. So um, what I thought was like, you should start a business where you go around to, to a, you find a venture, a venture capital firm and the businesses that you are going to do pitch decks and you're going to other venture capital firms to pitch businesses for which they will invest in your company. Mm-hmm. What they won't know is that your business was to do pitch decks and to get their, their money f- for investment into the business of doing the pitch decks. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> so like when you go out and they give you money for the, the business that you aren't actually going to start but for which you have a pitch deck, yeah. um, they'll give you the money and you put that into the revenues of the other company. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So your goal is to go do pitches. 
That is the business. That is right. That's yeah. the business opportunity. Yeah. They, they, they can't that's discover it. Right. That's the business. So, like, I think that is literally what ICOs are. I think ICOs are the business of pitch decks. You were, you, you were ahead, of, ahead of the time. I was ahead of the time. <laughs> I, if I had just, it, like, I didn't, the, the problem with it was I didn't have the tools to execute. Right. You don't, you don't have blockchain to execute on those. The other thing is, that, like, a lot of ICOs I've noticed are run by, like, these, like, completely inept 16 year old children, um, which I've, I've always found very interesting. And I've, I've thought about how to like compare this. I think what's going on here is that venture capitalists previously went to like people who they thought could build businesses, right? Mm -hmm. And they invested in them and they, for which they received like fiduciary duty, right? The fiduciary duty of the person who they have given the money to, mm -hmm. to like attempt at least to return profits to you mm -hmm. the best that they can. They might fail, they might succeed. Um, ultimately, they've, uh, venture capitalists have tend, tended to prove uh, lower returns and higher risk than like you know diversified investing, but like that's neither here nor there. Like they 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 at least gave money to entrepreneurs who they thought would return something, mm -hmm. right? And in the '90s, I think that really ultimately changed with with Netscape, which went uh, public long before they had any profits. Right. So since then, we've got this like tradition of people going public before profits. It used to be that like. Companies, it, it was sort of tradition, but you needed like two, three years of profitability before like you actually went public and said, hey, we have something to show for this. And that was like sort of the idea of like the de-risk, the riskedness of your business. Mm. You could go public, everyone would be like, okay, they're profiting now. You know, they've, they've, you know, the VCs gave the money. A lot of the like investment side of this has been de-risked. Yeah. But that disappeared in the 90s. Right, because... Well, because there was, I mean, what, it was a frenzy for everybody wanted to get in on these things. So like now you have people jumping at the gate and saying, like, let's just go public first before we even turn a profit because this, right. this may turn into something. Right. In large part, it's about, like, I mean, it, it's funny because, like, all you've done with the IPO is you've taken it, you've moved it, you've moved it forward in the investment cycle. Mm -hmm. So, like, it used to be that, you know, IPOs were, like, late in the investment cycle. This was, like, the last thing you did. And then you became a, I don't know, AT&T or, you know, like Bell Labs kind of thing. Right. Um, and you just had a lot of money. And yeah. you were going to use that money for the, you know, good of your company. It, is part of the reasoning to invest in, like, some of these young, these kids doing things, these these really young kids, is that even if they fail, there's a good opportunity where, because you have a relationship with them, they may attempt things in the future, and there's more of a life, there's more of a time frame there for like that. You're inv you're basically investing in kids. So to you're you're invest you're saying you're investing in the relationship with that person who's well, willing to take that risk. Because even if that this fails, they're going to learn a lot, and they may end up somewhere. So in I don't the think so. I think what's going on is that when you're a kid, you're willing to like live very cheaply. So for example. Um, you know, to like an Andreessen Horowitz or something like that, a million or two million bucks is absolutely no money, right? right? So they can they can take their they can take their risk and spread it out over a lot more people trying to make a lot more attempts. Mm. And these people don't have any requirements, so their children they're going to take a, a salary of like thirty thousand dollars in the middle of San Francisco. Uh, they don't have good budgeting abilities. Uh, they're going to live in a in, in an apartment with like forty five other guys. They're going to all eat ramen. Um, they don't have they don't have wives. They don't have husbands. They don't have kids. And th so they just, they're willing to take on stupid risk. So mm -hmm. basically what's going on is the VC is saying, like, you're taking stupid risk. I'm going to diversify that stupid risk by giving it to lots of kids. And you're going to ruin your life, most likely, trying to take on this risk early on when you could have been building your career and actually making yourself some money. Interesting. Right. I think that's what's going on. That's, yeah. Now, the ICOs are more insidious because I think what's going on is they're moving the age during which they will give you money earlier and earlier and they're saying like you're going to do this thing. So like your you, your <laughs> idea, 
You're right. Of, what's her face that showed up at that kid's house that was like 12 doing Ethereum? Remember years ago, the Jack Ether Party? E- Ether oh, God, Party, yeah. yeah. Van Beck's girl, like Lisa <laughs> Chang. Oh, my God. But like, I think what's going on is that like they're, they're trying to find these kids basically to, to sell nothing, right? Like the, the kids literally, some of these ICOs are literally as stupid as I'm going to make a refrigerator box into a time machine, right? Right. right. For which I need $100 million. Yeah. Okay. So uh, they get a, and, and, and where's the money coming from? Largely, What's do you com- think? It's, I mean, it, it, it's coming from a bunch of people that want to get Who rid of Who are these people? Because I, the, I think a lot of the people that are putting money into these ICOs are kids. I think there's some hedge funds. I think there's like some like, you know, adults. But I think for the most part, they're like children, libertarians, and like just like, but largely young, young people who don't really understand risk. Right. Which are funny because it's the same demographic of like, I think of like young Silicon Valley devs, like 20-year-olds, right. kids, all, so, all, so those, basically all those people... And a lot of these ICOs also, the, the, some of the big ones, like uh, what's Bancor, for example, they're promoted by these, uh, these venture capitalist firms mm-hmm. who don't actually have equity in them because there's no equity. The business is stupid. We know that they're not going to be able to do anything. So like Bancor's pitch was basically to do what? Create a like, giant money system based on ICO stupidity and uh, to like, provide some services for ICOs that they didn't actually need, which everybody knew. So like what? These VC firms did a lot of marketing for them. In addition, bought early coins in them, which they could dump the... Because in- there's no like restrictions on when they can dump them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they convinced the public that these were good ideas. So the public, they, they do it. They convince the public that these are good ideas. The public pours money in, 100 million bucks or whatever it is. They release the coin, goes onto a liquid exchange. Venture capital firm can dump. So like they're exposed to the risk for like three weeks. They do all the marketing. They convince everybody it's a good idea to buy refrigerator time, refrigerator box time machines, and then all of a sudden they can just dump and profit. Mm-hmm. And and nobody goes to jail because the kids that are running these companies are sixteen years old. Right. Well, they, they are literally the same thing as twelve year olds selling drugs in the streets. Exactly the same. The difference is that they are less likely to go to jail because because when you're when you're running a drug organization, you want those kids to be the ones on the street. Yeah, because like, risk. what are they going to do? They're going to get arrested. Like, well, he's 12. Like, right. we'll send him to like a halfway house and help him reform himself. Or they they're they're like just 18, and that risk is something that if you're a gang, they just don't understand. You're selling drugs at 18 years old, like you just take that risk early on. It could be. Yeah, that's true. I like, mean, like it, 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 it's a similar thing. You could make a bunch of money at 18. It's at the youth the youth sacrifice some time and. Like it's the youth do some time. The youth, the youth do it. So, so are you kind of saying that like the ICO isn't just some short-lived like regulations coming in this ends type of thing? This may actually like be part of like a thing that has some some effect in the future on like risk when in in, in, in the world of like capital and like how new projects come around. Well, I like don't know. Like, like, like I think with all things, Bitco- all things Bitcoin, like a lot of the a lot of the innovation is in doing things that are somewhat illegal, right? Right, but. You also made the point that, like in the '90s, like some of this, like like we see this with like some of these things, like like Snapchat or Uber, like these public companies that. I mean, in the '90s you saw public companies going public before they became profitable, and those trends are still well, they're, seemingly they're, happening. They're getting worse and worse. Like right. what I would say is that there's a lot of companies that are going public with no prospects of actually earning money, mm-hmm. and I think that that's one of the biggest problems right now in the economy. You yeah, you you've mentioned that before. You said that like that that may actually be like. That may, be, that may be a bigger problem than people realize. I think it's a huge problem because, like, you have these, these companies that are basically, like, building companies on the backs of continually offering, like, equity and mm. diluting shareholders or, diluting, like, essentially selling off their, their internal shares um, perpetually. 
right? Mm. Sort of that like having problem. Like if I have to distance to you constantly, I'm never actually at you. I'm only like ever just having the distance. Mm. Um, sort of that way. So like you take shares, you cut them in half, you sell half, and then like you know you wait until they go up in price. Then a few years later, you sell half. You know, uh, you know, fifty percent of them, and you know you just perpetually raise money by basically selling shares to the public, mm. and and just you know you don't actually ever need to become profitable. Something like HubSpot's a good example. Like I, I don't know, I don't think. I don't know if HubSpot's ever really had a profitable quarter. Um, they make good software. It's fun. Like, I mean, I think it's good software. I haven't seen it in recent years. Um, but, like, they, make, they do make software, right? They're, they're kind of a Salesforce competitor. Right. And their goal has just been basically to lose money year after year. And yet their stock price is fine. Yeah. They don't make any money. Right. It's like, how does that, how long does that continue? Well, how long does it continue and how many companies can do it? Those are the questions, right? Like, I, I don't know how long, like, how, I don't know how many companies we can expect to, like, sort of do this, like, money losing thing and, uh, and, and continue sell shares to sell shares and then bring money in. I don't know. They're paying people. They're paying their employees with this money that they're bringing in. They're, like, doing projects and acquisitions and stuff like that. Um, they have an inordinate amount of money and they're not actually planning to profit. Mm. So I don't know. How long can you go on the, uh, like, if, if, uh, here's the thing. If I run a company and I am not profitable, I think for three years, the IRS calls that a hobby. <laughs> okay. So, like, does that make these public companies that haven't ever had a profitable quarter for, like, 10 years, are they hobbies or <laughs> are they businesses? They're giant hobbies. Right. That's what I think. I think that they're hobbies that the, the American public is, like, investing in. <laughs> Uber's Which just I think hobby. is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, HubSpot's a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon was a hobby for years, but now now it's a business. Now, now it's an actual business. Yeah, yeah. it's not to That's say your hobby can't turn into a business. You know. Yeah, you said the what? So so, Hub, so HubSpot's that's share price is one hundred and thirty-four dollars. By the way. Wow, I mean, I don't know how to. I don't know much about share prices. Five point one like billion dollar market cap. Jesus. Um, and I don't know. I'm looking. Which is funny thing. because like that's. I think five point one billion as a dollar metric of like market cap is only like top ten. For like cryptocurrency, just to make the comparison. Oh with yeah, like, yeah. With like with like yeah. the cryptocurrency market. Not, not that that means a whole lot. But yeah. Like well, this just, is. I mean, God, I I don't. I like to think about these numbers. As, as right. Like 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 when's when when are the, when are the, like the ten and twenty billion dollar ICOs gonna have it? Like like if at all, I don't know. But you were saying that one difference is that like so even though like these companies these public companies are doing this and like this is legal with the ICO stuff, like it seems like it would be like an illegal thing. And those illegal well, it things might, are allowed it to might continue. only be illegal if you're black. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like, but like, we, because like, well, like for example, like to draw a line, a very, very thin line. Bitcoin is tends to be used for things that fall outside of regulation. So yeah. for like buying drugs. Right. So when it comes to like raising capital and like, the ICO market might be like perfect for that. I don't know. Mm. But like, I, I just it seems to me that like there's sort of this like gray area, this sort of nefarious area where people are like using these ICOs. And everyone really wants to be the first to do like a regulated, regulatorily compliant ICO. And I'm like, that's fine. Why? Why? Why not just use pink sheets? Right. Why not just like wrap yourself into a shell corporation, back into it, and like and, and sell equity? And the answer is that like nobody wants to do that because the ICO is a, a, a cute project. Mm -hmm. You could absolutely do that. You could do pink sheets for which you could accept Bitcoin, by the way. Why mm. not? Do a pink sheet, accept Bitcoin, do KYC on everybody, just like just like the normal market, and then issue stock certificates. Mm. Nobody wants to do that because no, then because you have fiduciary duty. 
and, and it's and it's hard to get people to buy into things like that because it's on blockchain. Well, no, I mean, here's the thing, like most, right? Like, I mean, like, but that does have some effect. But you could say it's a blockchain. You could have a blockchain company that sells equity yeah, via pink sheets. Yeah. Like the thing is that well, nobody wants to do that because here's the thing, Sean. Pink sheet stocks all go belly up. Pretty much every single one of them. There's a few. There's a few examples of pink sheets that did not go belly up. Okay, okay. Uh, one of them is the Breathe Right strip. All right, they were a pink sheet, then they weren't because of Rush Limbaugh, largely. Number two, Warren no, wait, Buffett's wait, Berkshire wait, Hathaway. Wait, 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 go back. Oh, ooh, hold on, let's talk about this. Because I remember those Breathe Right strips. By yeah. My, look at my nose. Yeah. When I was younger, I had trouble breathing it, yeah. and I used to use it all the time. So there's one thing, I know, that, there's one thing, I, there's one thing I know about your father. He listens to Rush Limbaugh. No. He has to. He doesn't. He has to. I swear to God he doesn't. I, I'd be skeptical if you even knew who... I, I bet he. I bet he does I because I breathe right strips became popular. I'll ask him, but my they dad's not. Out, my dad's not into conservative politics. It, well, you you ask him if he listened to Rush Limbaugh because I bet I bet he did in the nineties. And uh, yeah, breathe right strips. I like, think, but I think I think they just saw them on the shelf and were like, oh, these are like these are the things to buy. Maybe or, I don't or, think so. Or they got the idea of breathe right strips. There's, there's two else. reasons why breathe right strips. The things you just put on one, your you put on your nose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Number one, Rush Limbaugh like was, was advertising them. Number two. They got a bunch of buy-in from NFL players to put them on their nose during games. I remember that. Of course. So they actually... Oh, <laughs> I just... looking, Thinking about those things now, my guess would be, oh, maybe they just help with breathing better. But then they went away. Like, I haven't, I haven't seen breathe right trips in forever. I mean, did they work? Come on. Like, I've, I've used I've, them. They never, they never did shit. They, like, they really <laughs> didn't do anything. If you think about it, like, why, why, why would a breathe right strip they help were, you they, breathe dude, they better? Were, they were a fucking bra for your nose. That was it. They were just like, they were like wired, like, bras. You but the NFL, but all these football players up. had them. All these football players also have financial managers. So, like, what did they fucking know? So they so how, so what's the origin like the, the breathe right company just they like this is like a great scam like, I, I I don't know I, I don't know that it's a scam I mean I guess it works a little bit but like I think they still uh, they but still they, exist but they but they seem like they succeeded they got like all these people to like endorse it and be part of the product and I think a lot of people ended up buying buying those products yeah I, I agree I, I think that like but I think it's really interesting. but they started so off as a pink sheet scam a pink I, I believe sheet they started out as a pink sheet stock yeah okay and the second example you said Ber about to say Berkshire Hathaway. I think Berkshire Hathaway started out as pink sheets as well. You, well. Like, what exactly differentiates like the pink sheet thing from like other, like what 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 is it? Like, I mean, I kind of know what it is, but like what? Okay, so so pink sheet stocks are like over the counter stocks. They're not available like in in the normal markets, right? They don't like they're not traded on like Nasdaq or something like that. So instead of getting a prescription from my doctor, I actually can just buy it right over the counter, basically. Like no, counter. no, no, no. Oh, oh no, no, like that. Oh. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, prescription. Oh. Buy one stock. Buy like, one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's more regulated that way. You know? Yeah, it's 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 that they're over the counter. So like you you actually have to sort of like do the work. There's not a, an exchange that lists them. So you have to do the work of like finding people that have these stocks. Okay. Like there are there are places you can buy them now on like kind of like open markets. So like the, the public mostly can't <laughs> distinguish between pink sheet and something sold on like the New York Stock Exchange because like you go to Fidelity, you can buy it. It's listed as a pink sheet, but like it doesn't mean much to you. So I could so like I could go to eBay and find some pink sheets to buy. Y you might actually be able to. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but like I, I don't know. For example, if you wanted to like unload a pink sheet stock. Um, if you had a, a significant quantity of it, what you would do is uh, you would it, getting them into the market is a little bit of a hassle. So, for example, um, you might call up a broker at Fidelity or a, a an investment banker who works on his own, and he would buy he might buy something like a warrant from you or something that he knows how to execute. He'll buy it from you, and then he'll go find the buyers. He'll go he'll go sell it. He himself will like pick up the phone and find somebody to buy it. 
Okay. Which isn't all that different from like an IPO because that's the same thing that happens. They like they have they basically market these to like high net worth individuals. Right. But like a pink sheet stock is sort of perpetually in that phase. And okay. basically every pink sheet fails. Well, pretty much well, because, every cause single one. Because it's just about selling it to more people. Like that's just that's well the goal like the of model. the goal of a pink sheet is to make money on your ticker. Not necessarily to make money on your product. You could have oh, the dumbest because, idea because there's trades happening on that ticker, or, or there's people. You that want like a good ticker. You want like a you want a good like pink sheet ticker. So <laughs> it's, it's really about it's really about like the price of that thing. Yeah, like, you're you're making money on the stock. The idea is like very secondary in pink sheets, right. and like it's very funny because it's, it's a different business. I know people that have done pink sheet stocks. Florida's like the home of them. They oftentimes will do a pink sheet and then it won't work, and they'll do another pink sheet and they'll do another pink sheet and they'll do another pink sheet. Like there's the, like. You back into a con- company with a pink sheet, uh, basically the, the ability, the, the approval to do this like pink sheet stuff, and then you back into it, and now you have the approval to issue these pink sheet stocks. And essentially what they're doing with the pink sheets is they're perpetually printing money. Because instead of cash, they're like, okay, we'll buy servers. We need uh, computer servers. We'll, we'll pay uh, you know, $3 a month and then give you 200 shares uh, every month that mm. you give us like, you know, serving. Uh, you know, for our business. So, like, then that company basically just gets, like, an index of pink sheet stocks and hopes that they can, you know, profit. The reality is that, like, let's say you have 100 pink sheet stocks, there might be 98 that fail. Right. And two that that don't fail, but generally, unless you, like, hit it big, like, you know, pink sheets are all risk. They need to go up, like, a 1,000%. Oh, yeah. And then, like, then you, like, sell that because they just, yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, like, you know, VCs would just be in the business of, like, you know, pink sheeting. Right, (laughs) right. Um, and maybe that's the innovation here is that like when you buy an ICO, you take no equity in the company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, which, which, which I don't know, like is, is, is investment in normal things. Like maybe that's just, well, I don't know. I mean, like I, I knew a guy who like his, his pink sheet stock idea was that he wanted to trademark the name of the pink sheet company and then sue people for using the name. Oh, so we that be was like, literally the entirety like of the idea. And I was like, that's so dumb. He was like calling me every day to like get me to invest. I was like, dude, stop it! I don't want to put money into your goddamn dumb idea. It was c- kind of like patent trolling, but not with patents, with like the name of his, like his, his goal was to start a company that did patent trolling. Basically, yeah. Um, and and I, I like I don't think it ever got off the ground, you know, because it was dumb. Right. Uh, and he's not a lawyer, so he just basically he came up with this idea and he pitched it and he bought a pink sheet. He bought it like a shell. And he, that was his idea. His big, his big pitch was that he, like his resume item that was supposed to make you want to do this was that he had done numerous pink sheets and numerous pink sheets with Goldman Sachs being the bank that issued them. <laughs> that was his resume item. So like, it was like, here's my proof that I'm competent at this. I can do this. Yeah. This, this pink sheet was issued by Goldman Sachs. So, I mean, like, here's the thing, like, with the ICOs, the, the <laughs> same infrastructure is going to follow. Like, it's just yeah. a pink sheet stock. It's just the difference is that, like, rather than having any, like, uh, fiduciary duty, they're just going to revert to pink sheets. Yeah. They're going to either disappear or just become pink sheets. Yeah. That makes that makes a lot of sense. There's going to be schmoes that are going to be like, I made I made 10x returns on like, like my previous one. ICOs. Yeah. So, like, so, like I, think <laughs> that, I, I think that, so here's the thing. Did you know that there's an entire community of pink sheet stock makers and owners and such? I I'm not surprised there's a whole market. There are this, there are no, entire conferences, entire conferences dedicated to people who generally who will do pink sheet stocks, and it's just it, these are people that just issue pink sheet stock companies all the time. They're conferences. What kind of people are these? Like wh- they're what they're you? just they're not Warren Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> but like I don't know. Like are they are they are they people that are like look like I know it's kind of I, I mean it's it, it, it's it's. It's so 
like low in terms of like respectability, I guess. Like, is that the right way to f- look at it, or is it just like that's? Just, I mean, these people might be like, yeah, like I'm a I'm a pink sheet guy. Like, I mean, it's kind of like the, the, no, the, it's kind of so, like. So what's funny is if you talk to someone who does like these, they will they will talk about the fact that they have they have run three or four public companies. They'll 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 like brag about that as their resume. Oh, like, see, we've, th- yeah. we've, we've, we've come across people like this, and you've been like, this guy's a pink sheet guy. Yeah. Because he's I like, can oh, smell it he's instantly. Like, he's like, I, I've, I've done public companies I've, before. I've run three yeah. public companies. I'm like, well, you haven't. Right. You're just a jackass. You're a pink sheet like, guy. I guess, I guess you have, but like, what I know about your public company is it was no different from like a startup with three people. You had one person, it was you, and you were pitching people to buy your thing and going to like pink sheet companies. And, uh, and incidentally, um, it, used to, it used to cost a lot more money to do compliance and pink sheets, but then there's a lot of companies that have like, uh, you know, popped up to help do compliant things, like compliant websites and stuff like that, help with the Edgar filings and everything else. Because like pink sheet stocks, they have to do the same sort of work that any, any public company does. So like um, there's a good company down here called Equisolve. Equisolve does websites for pink sheet companies. I think they might have... I know of them. I know, I know of like devs that have... No, I, I know I, that I, company. Dude. I, I know the Equisolve guys. They're great guys. Uh, they know th- they're 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 running a great little company, and uh, I love their I love their entire business model. It's absolutely wonderful. They also hire a few female programmers. I know. That's uh-huh. cool. Just as a side. Anyway, interesting. So that's what they're basically doing. Ruby, by the way, that's all Ruby. All yeah. Ruby shop. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I like them. They're they're good. And like the, the entire goal. Well, is that's how, like that's also how I know about the people that work there. But anyway, really? yeah. Well. The boot camp shit. Everybody, everybody's into rails and shit. You should work there, were. Sean. I think you would love Equisolve. I think that I, you would absolutely love that. Oh, I like I, I like these companies that are like completely like we're <laughs> we're 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 a, we're a web app company or whatever. The However, they they're extremely extremely extremely, like, extremely good at what they do. Like I actually really respect the, the the guys there. Like that's it's a phenomenal company. It, I, I think that they're great. I think that I mean they work with pink sheet stocks. Yeah. I like. I, I mean, I don't have a problem with pink sheets. I think that like what yeah. I like about pink sheets is that they're highly regulated. Um, they're very good. Um, in terms of like, you know, like you want to try something high risk and like get it financed, you know, pink sheets, the way to go. It's an interesting, it's an interesting way to go. Mm. Um, it's also a great way to run scams. So like, you you know, a few years ago, there was a lot of pink sheets in China. They were coming out of China and they were no, they were, they were reporting on their filings, like billions of dollars in, in revenues. And they were going crazy in the U S crazy. Oh, because, because people had no idea that like. That that's a, oh, that makes sense. So a couple of investors took the opportunity to get some binoculars. They they they, they bought the investment. Uh, they, they they thought you know what like I'm gonna go buy a sophisticated investment tool called binoculars, and they <laughs> went over to China and they used them and they started ticking off things like how many truckloads were delivered to these locations every week. Okay. And they would be like, okay, one truckload, two truckloads, three truckloads. Okay, three truckloads today. You know, one truckload yesterday, two truckloads the day before. And then they would do the math and they'd be like, there's no way that, like, unless this company is delivering like solid gold bricks, there's no way they're doing a, a, an excess of a billion dollars in profits or, right? right? So, like, they, they, were able, they were able to measure these companies based on what they yeah. saw and were like, there's no way. So, so they, did, they, did the, they did the money, they, they did the math, and then they, they whistleblowed and they, they shorted all of these stocks and made just a fuck ton of money, whoever did this. Oh, and that's all of so like, great. the entirety of like the over the counter market for like these Chinese companies, whoop, gone overnight. Just disappeared. The market cap just disappeared. Wow. It was. It was. And, and that's what, like about what time frame was this? Just out of oh god, like uh, let me think, like seven years ago, eight years ago. Okay, so two thousand. So and, and nobody knows about this because they weren't like it, like pink sheets are a fucking community. So you are shielded from the risk of the pink sheets, 
And that's all that's like the ICOs. Like that's what will happen. The general public won't know about the ICO scams. Mm. You're going to hear occasionally about one ICO that's like gone, you know, a billion percent. And, uh, and, and your dad's going to be like all over it. And he's going to be like, I got to invest in this ICO. Just like occasionally, like your father gets an email about like this pink sheet stock that he has to invest in. And he runs over to his computer and puts all of his money into it. And, uh, and, and he loses it all. That's what will happen with ICOs. <laughs> the difference is that you got to get into Bitcoin and then get into Ethereum and then get into the ICO. Yeah. Or, you know, get into Bitcoin and then to the ICO, whatever it is. Um, or Stellar. Stellar. Yeah. Stellar's a new ICO platform. That's, that's got to be talked about, too. Everyone legitimate is using Stellar nowadays, and by legitimate, I mean illegitimate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got you, you, you can't just use Stellar. You have to fork Stellar, and then issue your token on on, on that on that fork. That's oh, that's that's how Kick did it. Well, well, we had well, someone this week tell us about the Kick the Kick infrastructure and how innovative it is, and I was like, "What you mean? Like they're running a Stellar like one instance of Stellar on their own computer for them?" To oh like, yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Well, Stellar does seem to be the platform now. Everyone's I mean, using it. Kodak well, just announced that they're going to use Stellar for the, their coin. They're actually back to doing so it. So they actually, oh, wow, they actually did like. Apparently, yeah. Oh, that's great. So I'm excited about that. I that's think that's so exciting. Stellar investment. And I threw this in there, exactly I threw this in there later in the notes, but Stellar also got approved to be a, it's also Sharia compliant. Oh, good. Okay. So, so we are on the, the way. We are, we're <laughs> waiting for the Stellar pump. <laughs> There's a Stellar public card, and, and, and yeah. Oh, so. no. Oh, shit. What? Kodak Cash Miner Cryptocurrency Blocked by SEC. Oh. Uh, I don't know what that means. This might be a joke. No, 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 no. I think I saw this. I, I didn't really put this in here, but we can talk about it. I think somebody was selling cryptocurrency miners. like Called lab- Kodak? Labeling them Kodak as if they were like manufactured by Kodak as like a nice little scam. Oh, that's funny. Because Kodak got... Because mem- remember the, the price of the stock price pumped so hard? Yeah. I think so many people saw that Kodak like putting that name to like block... Like there's so many... There's a, it, it was just a scam. Like someone was just running a name scam for cryptocurrency miners. Oh, I love that. That's great. It's it's also the color because it's funny because people still buy into the mining scams. Like how many times does somebody new show up that's like, are you, are you guys mining? Are, what are you doing with mining? Right. And uh, so like I think I think that was just a scam. I don't know what the result was, but I think it got caught. I think it got sniffed out pretty quickly. Dude, I'm I'm so excited about this Kodak coin thing. It's going to be so stupid, but it is going to <laughs> it is going to yield so many benefits for me. <laughs> um, okay, I, I, I do I do have a commitment uh, at some point here to get on a a guy who does uh, literal um, copyright on the blockchain. Oh, yeah the the CEO of ImageRights.com. Oh, they wow, do copyright. Okay. They also do blockchain stuff, which is excellent. <laughs> um, like 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 really or not really or like haha blockchain for <laughs> haha blockchain like like they <laughs> <laughs> they advertise as like doing uh-huh. like haha. <laughs> You and I were talking. You and I were trying to remember the name of something, and you were like, "You're like, what's the name of that thing? Tucky Lucky." And I totally forgot. Tucky Lucky might be another show name title. Tucky Winky, and Tucky Lucky. But no, like, you know what? Copyright is is one of these things that I have a I have a frustrating amount of knowledge about. Just it's it's very weird, and I I just I I think that like. Block, like I, I've said this so many times, but like d- doing c- copyright on the blockchain is such a dumb idea. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so dumb, and I wish I could explain why. And I, I mean, well, I can't explain why, but like people don't understand it. It sounds like the kind of thing that would be like such a good idea, mm. but it is so stupid. And let me let me say why. Um, there's a lot of reasons, but number one of which is that like 
the, the, the notion, it's, it's the Mona Lisa paradox. The, 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 you know that, that guy who did the Mona Lisa verification that he was a painter? A few weeks ago? We talked about this. Sean, you're so dumb. I can't, like, look, you're giving me a face like, I don't know. I don't remember <laughs> anything, dude. <laughs> there was a guy who verified in one of these, like, provenance channels that he, like, painted the Mona Lisa. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so okay. the, the Mona Lisa paradox. And uh, so that's the thing with copyright. Like, just because I, like, say that this picture existed at a certain time doesn't mean it's mine. Right. And that's what copyright is all about. Copyright is all about proving and, and copyright trials are all about proving that it's yours. So the most that the, the blockchain can really do is verify that like a picture existed at a certain time. But not that, for example, it existed the day that you said it existed because it could have existed before then. Right. So there's this thing called a work for hire. So like you could actually make a work for hire and you can provide evidence that there is a, uh, that, that someone who does work for you that you own the images that they create during a certain time span, right? You can prove that. Mm -hmm. the, the problem is in proving that a certain picture was made during a certain time span. Right, because I could have made the picture and then you, then you hired me and then right. I... Right, so or, do you know how you prove that in a court of law? Good job, Sean. Testimony. That is how you do it. <laughs> Te oh. Testimony. So I have to testify. Someone has to testify to it. Amen, brother. They swear on the Bible and they go, gotta swear I on the swear. Bible. I testify. Or, or the Quran. Uh, you can't. I, I guess <laughs> you could do the crime, but yeah, I think it's any book that you want. Any book. Yeah. I would. I would do like. Uh, uh, I would do the Simulrillion, the, the Lord of the Rings really? one. Why not? I would do. I would do the. <laughs> I would do like the Dubliners or like something like that to like just you know. I want a really thick book. I, w I want the thin book. Everybody poops. You could, uh, do that. you could do that. Like, that's that my book. Bible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think that they might have to do it for it you. It is the most. It is one of the most truthful Mis books Mr. out there. Mr. Unseth, you're 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 swearing on the book. Everybody poops. Swearing is swearing, my friend. It's a truthful book. It's a truthful book. I find it to be the most <laughs> honest book. <laughs> Dude, I have a question. For, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, God. What does an atheist swear on? Uh, they swear like on... a spaghetti recipe, maybe? Maybe. Harry Potter. Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody poops. Um, I do, I do <laughs> like that. But, like, yeah, you have to testify to it. So, like... You go and you like do a deposition where you have to testify to the like when this thing was made and like all you have is testimony. It's it's somewhat hearsay, right? Like I'm pretty sure that I made this photo on this date. Well, you've made thousands of photos. How can you possibly remember when you made this one? And like, well, because when we make them, our process is to then upload them to this third party compliance place, which then tells us that we made them then. So mm -hmm. I, I can best guess is that I that it happened on the eleventh. Right. Okay. So like under oath you're saying best guess is that it happened on the eleventh of April. Yeah. Yes. 2016, yes, okay. Like that, that's how you verify that a photo was made then. Right. It's best guess. And, it, it, and, and, and adding the blockchain element to that is no different than adding like an upload to like Google Docs that is in fact going to be dated and to say that this is the raw photo that we made on that date. Right. It still is reduced both, by to the way, needing to testify. By the way, well, but is well, this, both, it, both is of them lawyer? are compliant in a court of law. What's funny to me is that like you can certainly give your blockchain... Uh, data to a court of law. You can also give uh, to a court of law uh, the evidence provided by Google's timestamping technology to a court of law. Both would be accepted as evidence. Okay, yeah, but it's just, it's just another piece of evidence. There's no efficiency of the blockchain. Well, the, 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 efficiency, the efficiency goes, in, in that case, the efficiency is actually to Google because like Google doesn't have to then be the provider of evidence. They well, don't have to store your image. Yeah. Google's probably a better indicator because while the blockchain can add a hex, hexadecimal value that says this, this, this particular photo was created at this time, Google does, uh, actually will store the photo and date it. 
So like you don't have to have the hex file or the hex image, the hex, because, the hex because, value, because, because you just have the fucking photo that Google call, has stored. Call, call upon Google can testify to that. Yeah, Google can be like, well, like unless they hacked Google, yeah. there was no way to change that date. So Otherwise, you'd have to happen. You'd you have know, to bring in like Peter Todd to like. Right. Bring to, like, <laughs> here's what a hexadecimal value does. Here's what a hex value does. An MD5 hash sum. Yeah. Is this accurate? Okay, but like, can it be spoofed? One in a billion times. They're yeah. like, okay, so Google's, Google's like, well, you know, like they uploaded this picture on this date. Well, is that, are you certain of it? Well, I mean, we're 99.99%. I mean, like, I don't see any evidence. Let me check the server logs. Oh, nothing in our <laughs> server logs points to being hacked. So, yes, I'm certain of it. Yeah. Yes. And you're, what's your position at Google? I'm an engineer. Okay, that's more convincing than your goddamn blockchain testifying. You know why? Because blockchains can't testify. Yeah, you, you can't ask the blockchain. The blockchain's not going to tell you. Can't testify at law. Mm-hmm. So, so that means that like you're going to have to, like you said, have like a Peter Todd or someone who's deemed as an expert in this technology to actually show up and testify, which is a lot harder than just like, I don't know, subpoenaing Google or something like that. I mean, like a jury is going to understand like Google timestamps way better than they're going to understand like a blockchain MD5 hash some right. stamp. Right. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, why, 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 why don't you just have Google do well, it? Well, Google it's provides so a better proof of existence, I think, for like the purposes of this. So, I mean, anyhow, <laughs> point is that we're going to have him on. He'll talk a little bit about this. I think that's that, he, I mean, he's an actual lawyer, so he'll, uh, he'll, he'll do a lot better of a job mm-hmm. um, explaining sort of the ins and outs of copyright. Um, and I think it's funny because like as, as like Kodak uh, gets ready to launch this coin, um, it's pretty clear to me that Kodak itself, even though they once were a company that dealt in, you know, images, knows very little about copyright, mm. <laughs> which makes sense because they've, they've since become a silver mining company. Yeah. Which is not very well known. <laughs> no, I'm not silver mining, but I guess silver selling. They sell silver a lot selling? Of, like a silver broker. That's, yeah. that's more of their business model. Yeah, they, they do a lot of silver broker. Did we, did we talk, <laughs> did we, have we talked about that on the show? Not really. I don't think so. How'd they get into that? Well, silver's the main component, of, I guess, of like developing. So I think, I think when they like decided to, decided to go bankrupt, in the way that you decided <laughs> to become gay. Uh, they, they, th- I think they just had a lot of silver that they had to sell, and they just kind of became like an OTC provider of silver. I had a lot of silver to sell, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> like, well, that makes sense, because if silver was a component of the... Like of the, I, I, of think the that's, fil- I think that's what was going on there. That, I think they just had a lot of silver in, that's in interesting. stock. Yeah. So like, it'd be like a hardware manufacturer back in the day. Becoming be, like, like a copper si- supplier. Or like a silicon supplier. Right, or something, something like that, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Where they can it can help you install titties. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a different kind a, of thing a, you put in your titties. A, Silicon. A, AMD is in uh, uh, what do you call it? Boob surgery, cosmetic yeah. surgery. Yeah. AMD, uh, right. That'd be really funny. Like yeah. AMD, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I think providing big boobs to women all across the world. Wasn't that what silicone go, is for? Go, I think you meant silicon. Oh, but like sil- that's, yeah. that's fine. Well, whatever. <laughs> it's cl- 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 close enough. We'll just pretend. It is close enough. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? We, we're an hour in. We haven't even gotten to the notes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. um, so, uh, what's going on with this with Quebec? Because it's, oh. it seems like Quebec is like getting into. Well, we have a little update here. You, you've been reading French this week. That's what's that's amazing to me that you found a French article. Well, yeah. Well, Google helped me with this. Good. <laughs> <laughs> because they helped me with all of the French. How did articles. you find it? Like, where where did this come from? Uh, someone may have sent this in. To be honest with you, I, I have a terrible memory, and I apologize. God. It may have been in the dojo or Sean, something. Sean, you do so many drugs. You got to stop with that. I know. Well, I, and I just. 
I, I, I see things. I I stick it in here. I try to. I, uh, somebody somebody may have may have like pointed this out, or I saw this somewhere. Um, but you know the, there are these updates going on with, and we we've talked about this. But the 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 Quebec region, um, if you guys remember, went from being like yeah, Bitcoin mining, blockchain mining, come on come on in, cryptocurrency mine, uh, and then they kind of like did an about face on that because they realized the reality of of, of what that looks like. Um, and it seems like they've they're basically definitively putting a what they're calling a deterrent fee on cryptocurrency mining. Um, the article was translated uh, because my French is not good, and it seems like it was essentially a double like they were intentionally doubling the energy rates for miners. Oh wow! So I mean, I love this to confirm like it's a tax. What a, <laughs> what a surprise! Within a few months, they went from like. You know, they they realized what was going on quickly, and now now they're taxing. I, I tried to find more information like about to, like I like to think that everyone's been taking my suggestion, but I, I think I can't be arrogant enough to think that anyone actually listens to the show. So my guess is that they just you know came yeah. to this decision well, on their own. Yeah, which is obvious. <laughs> like, I, I don't I, like it was going to happen. It had to. That yeah. was that was the, the route they had to take. Yeah. I, I didn't. I was hoping there would be. I'm more amazed like, at how quickly this has happened. Oh yeah. Well, I I was more interested in seeing like. I mean, it's kind of obvious at this point. Like, I'm like, okay, that, that makes sense. Like, it's just finding more evidence of, like, this. Like, Mining is just tragic. I'm just so sad. But it's it, interesting to I see, like, it. like th- when, like, these people, like, these these poor local people, like, start talking about it. And, like, my bill went up from, like, $100 to, like, $1,000. Like, I want to, like, I like that shit. I don't know. Like, hearing the people actually, like, discuss it. But, yeah, like, that's, that, this is the effect of mining in, your 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 town, your region, but what's fucked is like, um, what happens because we we talked about like Nestle and like it seemed like like the people of the that town that Nestle was getting exposed to were like yeah like are, are like the water's going up or the wa- the water quality's going down the rivers were like not as like they started really like they it was anecdotal but they were really seeing the effects rather quickly and it seemed like Nestle was very, very easily able to get that local government in their right. pocket, uh, what, what I like about Nestle is they built infrastructure, and they, they, they preempted all of these concerns by getting contracts in place, which I think is hilarious, because that's what miners ought to have done. Okay, miners, well, now but, it's time but for minor advice. Let me give you advice. Well, this is what Fitmain's probably yeah. going to be doing. When you go into a city that has cheap electricity, tell the city. Go in there. Tell them all of the great things you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Go make promises. And get contracts for a hundred years with that city. Yeah, and that's how you get entrenched. Yep, that's how you do it. Be like, go go into a place, tell them you want two cent energy or whatever it is, and you're going to bring so many jobs. It's unbelievable. So then go in there and just build the biggest mining operation that has ever been seen, and turn that place into a ghost town. Oh yeah, that's how you do it. Work with the local officials. Dante's going to love that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Run toasters. Just tons of toasters. <laughs> so government contracts are like really hard to. Break, I guess. Well, contracts it's in general. Con- are, government contracts, just, fucking contracts. Like you right. go into a city, you get them to sign something. They're signing their life away because, like, you, you know what? Here's it's a fundamental problem with like some, so like a, somewhat of a problem with democracy, where like you have mm. a guy who represents a city for four years. Any dumb decision he makes, like they're kind of bound to for a long time. Right, and right. He's, and he's some Momo, so if he gets paid a fuck ton of money. So, like, if I were Jihan Wu, what I would do is I'd go into a city and I'd be like, okay, look, like you're 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 a, ma- a mayor mm-hmm. who's sympathetic to this position. We are going to put so much money into your campaign that everyone's going to think you're the mayor before you're even the mayor. You're, th- you're going to be like, 
on commercials. Like you're running for the town of like, you know, I come from Shakopee, Minnesota. You're running for mayor there. We're going to run commercials for you in like all of Minnesota. The whole state. Everyone's going to know the, the mayor of Shakopee. <laughs> we'll run a Super Bowl ad for you. We're going we're gonna, like, to <laughs> encourage people to move. We'll pay them to move just to vote for you. You'll be the cryptocurrency like mayor. We'll get everyone so excited about all the jobs you're going to bring. You know, th- this will be like, this will be what you do. Yeah. And then what we're going to do is, first thing you're going to do is you're going to go in there and sign a contract, which will be much lauded all throughout the United States. For, uh, for you know, Shakopee, Minnesota, um, you're going to give a contract that lets us stay there um, at whatever energy price you guys charge. And uh, you're going to work with, like, the local municipalities to make sure that we get the cheapest energy in all of the world. And you're, we're going to sign a contract for 100 years. <laughs> and that's how you win, miners. Yeah. That's how you win. Oh, yeah. And then go in there and destroy the fucking town. <laughs> you have 100 years to do it. You yeah. could do it in like three months. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's so, it's wonderful. Yeah. Like, this is how I would do mining. Yeah. Well, that's a great way to, that's a great way to. To take over a town's, like, like, uh, mi- like a municipality's uh, electorate, it would take like, I don't know, $100,000. Mm-hmm. Take no money. Mm-hmm. You could do it for no money. You could go elect people into these mayoral positions that would have like inordinate power and the ability to give you just ridiculous contracts in cities. What's crazy is like, because it's a flaw with democracy, because like you can you can get these people elected that will, that will make those decisions. Now, yeah. at, at a corrupt, let's say we let's say we label that like as corruption. Corruption in America is, might be a little bit less than other democracies in the world. Like I can see India being the country to get raped by this shit. Could be, yeah. I mean, like it's it's cheaper to do it in India. Cheaper, right. like, and I, they don't give a fuck. I, like, what are you going to say? Like, you're adding to our pollution problem. They already like no one's adding to it. India's dude, that's perfect. a fucking drop in the bucket. Dude. Like, you could have every single Indian running a computer, having smokestacks pour yeah. out smoke, and it would be just fine. No one would notice. It'd be like, eh, it's still bad. The, the indi- industries with the most toxic factories all moved to India. Like, I remember seeing. Of like, I never watched it, but there was like a documentary and like a movie about it. Like all types of horrible things happening in India. Did you got to read? You got to read the comments of uh, God. Who's who's the who's the economist that Obama had on his team and was like president of Harvard. Oh fuck! So Larry Summers. Larry Summers. He has, yeah, like he has a whole thing on like uh, discompassionate like moving of like uh, pollution to like India and Africa, and like he, I think he, I think he wrote this thing when he was like in the World Bank, saying that basically like we should just move all pollution to India because you know who gives a fuck. <laughs> it was like <laughs> it, it, it was probably true, and it ultimately I think happened, but uh, but like he was just like just denigrated for this thing. That's oh my god. Uh huh. Well the pro- well. From an economist perspective, I think I think the reality you have to accept is that these things are going to happen, and if they're going to happen somewhere, you want it to be in a, a location that may like. I mean, it, this sounds really bad, but like people give the least fucks about. It's called the Summers Memo. It's from 1991. Uh, I'm looking here. Although that is kind of fucked up. He was like. the chief economist of the World Bank. <laughs> oh yeah, that guy's a that guy's a big resume. Oh that, yeah, dude. That guy got in trouble a few years ago for saying something about oh, something. Dude, I was I remember this. I was in college at the time. Okay? okay. And and I remember the comments. Have you ever read the speech? I don't think I have. It's one of the funniest speeches. So this is like here's the thing. I think people think that this SJW shit has been going on very recently. It is it has been a truism on college campuses for the last, I don't know, thirty years. Twenty to thirty years. That long. Oh, long time. Huh. So Larry Summers, and it really, really gained traction, I think, in like 98, 97, like around that time. Okay. Um, I remember uh, on the Brown University campus, there was uh, an event where they had uh, David Horowitz come and speak. David Horowitz is this like Islamophobic, sort of like conservative guy who 
takes on like the the stuff that Tommy Robinson does. He's like the Tommy Robinson of the U.S. He's definitely richer, more refined, um, and I think he's probably more of a fear monger than Tommy Robinson was. Right. The difference being that like I don't think that like David Horowitz is living this reality, uh, whereas Tommy Robinson I think was. And Horowitz is more like a theoretical danger than like an actual danger. What happened is he came to campus and all of the students. This is like 2002. Burned all the newspapers. Really? Oh yeah, they like took them, they threw them in trash, trash cans, they wouldn't even let it be reported. So like this is a thing that's been going on for a while. Frankly, it's since the that's, 70s. That's this really is, interesting. This is since the, the 70s that this has been happening. Because a lot of the like, I mean I pay attention to a lot of the stuff that's been going on recently, like the, the IDW people. They've been saying that like there's like this weird phenomenon where like these conservative or like ap- appeared to be conservative speakers coming to college campuses and getting like backlash for even just showing up to speak. But what you just said indicates that this is not a new phenomenon. It's not at all. And that's your point. Yeah. This has been going on for some time. No, let me, let me tell you, it, let me tell it, you something. It, it's, it's even longer than you think. So, like, back in 1993 at Brown University, there was a case called, uh, it was, it was uh, I think it was, I think it was 93, 93 or 94. Um, oh, no, it was 96. So he would have been, he would have been a little older. Um, he was going to graduate in 97. Incidentally, Adam Lack, uh, who, who sadly passed away a few years ago uh, in the state of Iowa, um, left Brown before he graduated. But like, here's, here's what happened there. And this, what's funny about this is that uh, John Stossel actually ended up going there to report on it. And that's, that's been like a widely discussed thing. You know, the, you have these like cases like the Mattress Girl and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So in Brown, in 1996, there was a, a, a guy named Adam Lack who was accused of raping a girl. Uh, the girl was um, drunk, I believe, in her dorm room. Uh, they had sex. The two of them, it was consensual. And the next day, like... They talked about it. I think she went off. I, I don't, I'm not completely familiar with all the details, but I think she went off and then like a month later filed like a rape case. Okay. This kid was dragged through the mud. The newspapers refused to, to release her name, and, uh, and he was basically just dragged through the mud and destroyed. Wow. The school got involved. Everyone got involved. There was only one person on the campus who like gave him the benefit of the doubt. It was a music professor um, who took him under his wing and really took the case and started writing articles about how he was being treated so unfairly. And what ended up happening is Adam Lack sued the university and won uh, just an enormous, I think like a million or two million bucks back in the 90s, which was, you know, a, a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then he moved to Iowa and I think he opened a bar uh, there, which, you know, whatever. But like... He he died a few years ago in a weird in a weird accident in Iowa as he was driving. But like this stuff has been going on since the early '90s on university campuses, huh. and probably back in the '80s and the '70s. Like this is this is a this is the outgrowth of um, <clears throat> of like the '70s like hippie culture. It's very fucked up, and I think that like people watching it now don't realize how old it is. Huh. So Larry Summers, back to the back to the point. Larry Summers made a speech. He was president of Harvard at the time. He made the speech. You can find the transcript of it online. And, and the speech is like, he, he's, he spoke at MIT, not even at Harvard. And the speech is interesting. It's, not, it's nothing like groundbreaking. But he, he said in the speech, uh, he was basically asking questions about why there are more uh, men than women in the STEM fields. And he gives a bunch of reasons. And then he gets to the one and he says this. He says something like, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but you can read it for yourself. He says something like, as scientists, as people who care about truth, we have to ask ourselves this question. I don't think it's the case, but we have to ask ourselves whether it is the case, mm-hmm. just because this is a question that we first have to at least answer in the, in, like, in the negative before we can move on. And it's whether women are less predisposed to be able to succeed in STEM than men. I don't believe that to be the case, but we have to ask the question as scientists. Yeah. At that point, 
Harvard professors started to stand up, turn around, and walk out of the room. Oh, wow. Like, during the speech. Like, yeah. it wasn't even, like, a post, like, report thing that, like, no. made this controversial. It was during it was the speech. Actually during yeah, the during speech. the speech, they started to do that. They walked out of the room, and they started making hay right away, saying that he said that women couldn't do STEM because they were less capable and intelligent than women or that's, than men. That's so stupid. How, how do you put, like... Well, they'd been looking for something, and they decided to latch onto this, and it was just utterly dishonest. Larry Summers made a mistake in that he backed down. He did not want to do that fight. Like, he could have been Jordan Peterson, but Larry Summers is, like, an old guy who, like frankly doesn't give a fuck and just wanted to like do you know like they but they well because he went on from that speech to actually continue like doing big things in the economy he's always done big things like th- he was president but, of harvard but for god's sake what i'm saying he was is chief economist of the world bank before that what i'm saying is like backing down didn't like it sounds like it didn't really like destroy anything for him he didn't give a fuck he could have like larry summers gives no fucks but he could have like I think a, a problem is that like at the highest institutional levels, you have a lot of these professors doing these things which are completely dishonest, such as the Larry Summers walkout. And like they wanted to fire Larry Summers for a lot of reasons, in large because of his memo. In large part, like that memo has been like a plague on Larry Summers' back for a long time, basically saying that like we should dump pollution into like these like lesser countries, which is fucking funny. Um, but like he's he's been kind of a pariah. Among economists for years because he's not like he, he's not a leftist. He's not a right-wing guy He's not really a left-wing guy. He's just kind of a guy who doesn't care he, he, His goal is to say whatever mm-hmm. in in defense of you know uh, Whatever science there is in support of it and he doesn't care what anybody thinks about his opinion, right? Um, he might be completely he might be a complete asshole. He might be completely right I don't know but like his his goal is to discuss ideas. It always has been um, he was a big guy in terms of like helping Geithner during the uh, the financial crisis, which okay. I think really puts him. Like, it's funny because I think a lot of libertarians and, and right wingers really admire Larry Summers, and a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of them don't realize that he was very much the guy that sort of pushed Geithner to the top. Like Larry Summers, I think Geithner worked for Larry Summers years and years ago, and I think it was between Geithner and Larry Summers for the job, in large part. Hmm. Interesting, but Larry Summers was a bit of a controversial figure, so they couldn't they, they didn't give it to him, right? They gave it to Geithner, and huh. that he was he was largely like Geithner was like his pupil, so right. like it yeah. was a little sad for him and frustrating, right? And presided the Treasury Secretary role, right? Is yeah, that what you're referring to yeah, okay, just to clarify, was it Treasury? Was it? I don't I don't remember the details, but it was whoever whoever was high up. of the Fed, right? Was it? Well, it wasn't him. Was <laughs> no, Ben Bernanke was. It was. It was uh, let's see, t- uh, Treasury, right? Yeah, Treasury. Treasury. Secretary of the Treasury. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah. So like, they were up for. They were both up for that job, and they were both like strongly considered. But Geithner, who actually came in under Larry Summers when he first started his career, and really achieved status as like a competent person under Larry Summers, hmm. um, who Larry Summers ultimately really trusted, uh, sort of got that job instead of Larry Summers. And he, uh, you know, like, depends on who you ask. I think a lot of people hate Geithner. Um, I thought he did a fairly good job, but like it doesn't matter. Uh, a lot well, it of always it always gets political when it's of like course a it does certain. fucking treasury. So like yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of people like really don't don't like what Geithner did, and and you know Summers I think is a political figure. Uh, didn't get it largely because of his bombastic you know bullshit. Like mm. he's he is a bombastic controversial lightning rod, and you know is um you you've been telling me what you've talked about this book and I haven't read it yet the Geithner book. Or the book about Geithner during the financial crisis. Does it talk about the Larry Summers thing? Yeah, it does. Okay. I, I don't know if it talks about the Larry Summers uh, 
a controversy at MIT. Right, but it talks about like the relationship. It talks about the relationship. Yeah, the, the MIT crisis I only know about because like I was I was there. I wasn't at MIT, but like I remember the controversy. Like it happened while I was in school at another another institution um, up the road from mine. Like we knew the people that were affected and well, disaffected and whatnot. At the same time, like around that time period, like the, the difference is that like. I went to a I went to a state school, so like I never even knew about any of this shit, even when right. I was in college. And it seems like it's more prevalent across m- many different types of universities. I mean, the commonality, to be honest, is with like Brown and MIT and Harvard, is that I mean, you're talking about Ivy League, right? So like, was it was it was that stuff more just kind of in you know for 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 those select schools, and now it's more broad, or has it like is it has these types of things kind of been? Well, it made national news. It's just that like I you know like I, when I was in college, you're reading things like Ivy Gate blog, which was like sort of the blog of like the Ivy League, <laughs> and uh, and and Ivy Gate blog. I mean, like every day you're reading about like Larry the Larry Summers controversy through like the lens of like you know other Ivy Leaguers yeah. and and it's it's just kind of like you know it was it was a big deal because like this the president generally like at Brown people loved the president it was President Ruth Simmons uh, everyone loved her she was a very nice person um, <clears throat> she actually did help a lot of in a lot of ways on that campus in terms of like sort of allowing both sides to be heard she herself was like an uber liberal she had stories about like getting uh, followed around department stores I think a big controversy with her back in like uh, right before she became president of Brown, was that she went into like Tiffany's? I think it was. She's this like president of an Ivy League college, and she gets followed around by security. And I think that was like, it made like national news uh, because she's a black woman, and and she is a very respectable, you know, was a very respectable woman, and yet was like getting followed around in a department store, a fancy one, because you know, presumably because of the color of her skin. So that was like a big deal. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but she was a very like people loved her. And Larry Summers was a different kind of person. People like the Harvard, like he was, he was president of Harvard because of his status, you know, he, as like chief economist of the World Bank. He had numerous accomplishments. I mean, the guy is an economic powerhouse. Yeah. Um, he's, he, you know, so he went and became like president of this like major university. And, and, and it's funny to me because most people didn't know who he was until he was like on a, uh, Obama's cabinet. Whereas I knew who Larry Summers was for, you know, years because he'd been integral, like an integral person in my life. Uh, having been like someone I read about numerous, numerous times before that, right? Um, and you know, n- like knowing of his accomplishments before that, so it was weird to me when like this happens, and then a few years later, Obama appoints him, and nobody says anything about the controversy at Harvard, which I thought was really funny, because it was such a big deal. It, it seemed right. like it just disappeared. Like he could go from Harvard, where he apparently said women are less important than men and less intelligent than men, straight to Obama's cabinet, and nobody would say shit. Because like, the real reason, the real purpose of, of of like making out what he said to, to be that was because they didn't want him to be president of Harvard, so they found a straw man to go after. Right. If it had been like, let's say, I mean, at the time it was a very different candidate, but a Republican like like Romney or McCain. Oh, it, Larry, I think Summers Larry Summers would have been like it would have been a, it would have been controversial, more like obscenely controversial, uh, like appointment. Right. Absolutely controversial. It's kind of like. <laughs> You can you can you can have those controversial things on your on your record. I told you that to binders be, filled with women. But it has to be controversial. That is a controversy. That, it has, it that, has to be that, the right that, kind of controversy. That, that it's got to be with someone you like or dislike, or that the other party doesn't care about. Right, and and like I look at that as like a great example of how stupid people are. They do not know. Uh, they they do not understand like how 
how much they're influenced by what people tell them to care about. Like, most people didn't know who Larry Summers was. And then all of a sudden they know about him. Well, what do they know about him? They know that he worked for Obama, so he's probably a great guy. But they don't know about the fact that just a few years before, the same people who were excited about him working for Obama were not excited about him making these statements about women. Right. Huh. Uh, well, well, I mean, that goes into the hypocrisy of different things, but uh-huh. it's just interesting. Uh-huh. Did you see the Peter Schiff interview with uh, Rogan? <laughs> I did. Well, <laughs> I, I, only, I, only, I only caught that clip where he talked to him about Bitcoin because I don't really care about his, listening to yeah. it. Well, Peter Schiff is um, interesting. I mean, like, he's, he's such a goddamn libertarian. Well, it's just he, he's a libertarian and he just doesn't, you know, it, it, there's, you can probably find it on YouTube really easily, guys. It's like 12 minutes where they talk about Bitcoin and like, Peter Schiff is a very libertarian, gold-esque guy. I don't know if like he really, really doesn't like Bitcoin, or he just doesn't like Bitcoin because he wants to like pump gold. Or so someone should do. Someone should do a, a a chart of like when when Peter Schiff first said the economy was going to go to shit to like returns now. If you had like not listened to him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but he always plugs that. He's always like, oh, I, I was right about the economy, and like I called it. So like, if, well, if you take a macro view, then he's wrong. You take right. a micro view, he's right sometimes. Yeah. That's the thing about saying the economy is going to collapse, is you're right every five or six years. Right. It's like saying <laughs> it's going to rain. It's a, there's a reason we have a story <laughs> called Chicken Little. Like, Peter Schiff is the quintessential Chicken Little. Yeah. It's, it, the sky's going to fall down. When? Well, soon. Well, soon. Well, they did. Oh, it did it. See? Told you. Told you. Yeah, but right. it's like 40% above where it was when you first started saying that. Right. <laughs> I would have had to make you. Well, that's the other side of it too. I would have had to make it a lot more money if I right. had to like my money. Right, I should have just not listened to you, Peter. Right, you dumbass. <laughs> um, but what, what's different about this time around? Because he wasn't he was on Joe Rogan not too not not too too long ago. Um, apparently had a debate and had a discussion with Eric Voorhees about Bitcoin. Really, and, and I don't know if Voorhees is the best person to have that conversation, and I don't even know if. The best person to have that conversation could actually get Schiff to come around on it, but it was Dude, clear. But it, it, it was just definitely not because they have the exact same philosophy. That's what's funny about it. The two of them yeah. think the same thing. But it was it was just clear from this interview that Schiff does like he kept saying. I, he's like you know they I talk to these Bitcoin people. They don't think I understand it. I do understand it. I understand Bitcoin. And then he said something to the effect of like it's not backed by anything, and that is not the comment to make if you're trying to articulate why you don't think Bitcoin's going to work. Like gold isn't backed by anything. What's your point? Right. Well, even Rogan like tends to have these moments where he's kind of like, well, he's like, he, I think he even said something like, well, what, what's what's gold backed by? Like, and, and Peter Schiff will be like, well, gold's useful in like some cases. Like, it's just no, it's not. It's, I mean, there was no, there wasn't anything really like and new there's not here, much but it's of just it. right. And so it's if stupid. it is useful in certain cases, like the reason that like Apple, like, well, Apple grabs a lot of their old phones back because they have to recycle it for the gold. Mm. Like a lot of these companies recycle it for the gold. Like they, they have to bring it back because like there's not that much gold in the world. There's like one swimming pool's worth. Yeah. To be shared by everybody. Well, and that's actually one of the reasons of that's one of the reasons that you that that is it's probably a bad idea to have a monetary or currency backed by gold is because there is such a limited supply of it that it really inhibits it from scaling to the the level that we actually need in the world right i mean like that's that you know i'm seeing more like bitcoin people um and they're great and i like them but like there's like the the libertarian economists austrians like really like you know talking about how bad keynesian economics is just think about like like, how much gold you need to like back the entire global economy you might need trillions of dollars in gold but there's like i don't know i don't know how many billions there might be 100 billion or 200 billion dollars worth of gold in the world Mm-hmm. Maybe five hundred billion. I don't know. Maybe one trillion. You need more than that. Yeah. So like, you cannot run the monetary system on a currency backed by gold. You can't do it on silver or copper either, because those metals are used for shit. Right. Can so you, what do you do it on? Can you do it on Bitcoin? No. 
Why? Maybe. I don't know. But like, <laughs> honestly, like, I don't think that you need a back currency. I think de-pegging is like, look, I, I hate to be super Keynesian, but like currency is a system of IOUs. Mm -hmm. It's what it's for. It's, it's already decentralized. It's a ledger system that allows you to take the ledger out of a book and just give everybody like sort of the means of the ledger to like go around and exchange value. Okay. It's, it works really well. We have figured out basically how to reduce the price of printing it so that it's on paper such that the ledger system is hard to copy. You put it on paper, use like state-of-the-art printing, uh, and you give it to people to like basically hand out to each other and, and maintain the ledger by handing out this paper. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. But you don't need, like it, it doesn't need to be backed by something. It doesn't. How do I know that? Because you can buy a cup of coffee with it. Mm. You, can, you can get credit in it. You can leverage it. Like, it's an amazing technology, and everyone's saying that it has no value. Well, they're wrong, because it has value today. It might not tomorrow, but it has value today. Mm. And if it doesn't tomorrow, maybe it's, you know, may, maybe we'll come up with something else. We'll come up with dollar number two. Right. But, like, you can, you can transact in it today. People accept it. It's trusted. You pay your taxes in it. The, 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 the United States government accepts it. As value. And they have you don't have to pay your, your taxes in gold. And they have more control over it than they would something like the price of gold. Right. Because like when you're trying to manage an economy like that, you know, like, and that gets into the argument of like, well, it's, it's, it's so risky. Like occasionally like it, it, the, the, the system collapses or something. You know, you have like, you have like historical cases like the Great Depression, which was one thing. And that was a long time ago. And it was in the very early stages of this new technology. Well, of, if you're going to tell like, me that the Great Recession that we just had was as bad as the Great Depression. It like, was nowhere near. No. And, 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 look, and look how we've recovered and from it. it should have been. Yeah. And it wasn't. We, it could have been a lot worse. We've largely, we've done a good job as a society of like de-risking ourselves a lot of that stuff through things like FDIC and whatnot. And even when these things do occur and they're bad, compare that to look at the... Other side of the equation. Look, look at how much right. growth there's been. Could you have had that gro growth in a, you know, pegged gold system? Um, probably not. I, I don't know. You but could have. The reason that we got off the gold standard wasn't because like it was it was a terrible idea or like everyone loved gold. It was well, because like, it was, we were about to go bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, we were actually. literally about to go bankrupt. Which like I don't I don't know if that like hurts the case or not. But it, it, I don't know. But like I, I look at it, I'm like, like guys, it, like is gold it, it, wasn't the solution. Is it, is it that gold wasn't a solution or, or it just wasn't good for us to, for it not to be well, a solution? Well, I always ask people this. What, is, what does it mean to be backed by gold? And well, nobody on, seems to understand cl that question. Cl clarify why we went off the gold standard, by the way. We literally, like, we, we literally went off the gold standard because like, we were trying to maintain like, the, floating, the floating price. Mm -hmm. And be, because, like, again, there's disagreement as to what, something, what it means to be backed by gold, right? What does it mean? And, and libertarians think that they take this for granted. They love to say that something's backed by gold. Well, what does that mean? Does it mean that you have like, a coin made of gold? Does it mean that you store gold in like Fort Knox and you can actually go literally like get gold? What does it mean? Mm -hmm. Because it's it's a very difficult thing to back something in gold. And honestly, like being backed in gold doesn't actually prevent the United States government from printing, right? If you're backed in gold and the United States government's like, okay, well, yeah, but we're going to print a billion uh, U.S. dollars, uh, you know, one dollar bills, and what you are effectively getting is a share of gold. All they've done is dilute your share. Mm -hmm. So it's it's exactly the same effect. Yeah. Right. So like it, being backed in gold is a gold certificate versus like uh, or a silver certificate, whatever it is, uh, versus a like U.S. dollar uh, Federal Reserve note where they can print. Th they're both. They, they both have the possibility of, of having the same outcome. You're still relying on a beneficent government. Right. Right. So like it, it, to be backed in gold, I, I'm still waiting for someone to explain to me what that actually means. Yeah. Because it's, 
it's it's not that clear cut. Like there's there's more to it. There's there's a lot more to it. Well, I, yeah, and well, like I, I bet you I bet you in his book I haven't read it, but I need to read the the, the Bitcoin Standard by Schaefer Dino. <laughs> <laughs> because I'll bet I'll bet he doesn't articulate what it actually means to be backed by gold. I'll bet he just takes for granted, begs the question uh, that gold is like good to be backed by, or that a, yeah. a precious metal that that a currency should be backed by something. Yeah. But doesn't explain what backing is. I know that's his book's popular right now. I do. I want to read just to popular. see what he's. Like Dude, we had a guy come up to our meetup this week who said that he had a great idea and it was to do like a <laughs> Bitcoin backed dollar and he was going to write about it. And I was like, "Dude, you're, you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, you're like I forgot five, about that you're part. like fucking five years behind <laughs> on that one." I think Safedine thinks that he's the one that came up with it, but like, no, people have been discussing that for a long time. Yeah, it was dumb then; it's dumb now. Yeah, it's just ugh, it's a bad idea. He just wanted to like make it the, the first book about it so yeah. that he could say that it was his idea. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't think it's a good <laughs> idea. It's really stupid. <laughs> Stick with stick with the meat eating guys. Like that, that that's probably a good idea. The meat eating. So safeting. Well, the uh, the guys that do the noted podcast, which uh, I have been listening to that, and mm. they, they they it's it's pretty not bad. They're good. Uh, it's the guys um from the, the Goldstein and Pierre Rocher Rochard okay. did the Nakamoto Institute. Yeah, that's kind of like their their first big project in Bitcoin. Um, one of them, and then like a few other people. It, Eating the whole like carnivore diet, meat eating thing is like a popular thing amongst oh, is it? these Bitcoin. Okay, yeah. great. And like it's just it's just it's been a popular thing in general amongst like other circles too. Right. Because it turns out that like for some people, eating meat is like extremely beneficial for their health conditions okay. and then there's other effects as well. Like okay. it, it's good for you. Um and it's just a thing now, like they 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 tend to be eating like you eat a lot of meat. meat. I do. Well, I've <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I've been I've been eating that type of meat for a long time. Well, I've been doing the keto thing, and like it's 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 uh. You've lost a I lot like of weight, it. I can tell, because you used to be fat, but yeah. now you're not. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> you eat like you eat like meat and flax seeds. I've been eating a little bit of broccoli lately too, just really? because I need the fiber. Yeah, the fiber sense. Fi- it's gonna have poop a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Well, but the thing is, is like if you're actually trying to like gain muscle or gain strength, like you have to eat a shit ton, and like I don't know if you are even maximizing your gains in terms of strength and muscle by sticking to these meat only diets, and you may kind of need. But you're the only one that cares about that because like you have a beautiful body, mm-hmm. right? You want to like, you're trying to like make your body a wonderland. A wonderland. Baddie. Well, eating meat's like a Bitcoin trend, right? That Bitcoiners do, I think, I guess. And I'm waiting for like I'm waiting for them All to right. like start picking up the fasting stuff and then like the benefits of deadlifting or something. Yeah. Right? Well that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we've changed from Bitcoin to deadlifting podcast. Yeah, I could see that. Oh my god. Um but uh yeah. The, the you had a, re- a weird discovery this week about the, uh, the how how silver worked in Spain. Spain? No, no. This is the United States. In the United, this in is the United the, States. This is the early U.S. Um, this is just. This where did is you just find this thing? By the way, I, I'm, I'm glad you found it. But where did you find it? Um, there's a online course on Coursera right now. Really? Being taught by a guy who wrote a book recently called The New Lombard Street. What's his name? I don't remember. He's a professor at a the economic division of Cornell. And he actually talks about how money and banking works at a level that, and like I said, I haven't gone through all this content, that would probably be beneficial to people that don't. Yeah, I think he, I think he actually talks about how banking actually. Right. Like, actually, like a lot of the course topics involve... Um, how it's called sh- The Big Picture? No, it's... Uh, if you, Google The New Lombard Street. That's what I did. I'm, I'm trying to... Okay, um, let me let me try to help out with this. So you're you're actually he, trying you're trying to learn something, which is funny because you're, well, you're I haven't been very generally incapable. Of I haven't been. Oh, ver- P- Perry Merling. That's him. Yeah, that's oh, the guy. I, 
Perry's a good guy. You know this guy? Or yeah. you know of him? Yeah. <laughs> I know of Perry. <laughs> well, he seems like he does have a level of competence. Like he's like he gets into some of these details of stuff, and he talks about like economics and finance and banking and money in a way of like, like I haven't really heard articulated by like a lot of the people talking about this in, in, in the Bitcoin space. You know, like it gets into like, oh, that's actually what shadow banking is. Oh, right. that's actually how you like you navigate through the money markets. And he gets into like, I mean, it's a course. Like he gets into the details, and it's free on Coursera right now. And I've, I, it pops up every once in a while, but he has written this book called The New Lombard Street that goes in, I guess, is somewhat of a, of, of a summation of his, of his course. Right. <laughs> um, that's funny. Yeah, he was, he, was on a, he was on a panel last year with uh, Isabel Kaminska at... Which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, in, in, in what, Europe 20 money... money, money Some conference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because it was right after, it was right after uh, the interview that we had with the Argentinian, um, the Argentinian miner. And we were talking about like the how much... The Venezuelan one. The Venezuelan, sorry. God yeah. damn it. They're the same country. Same, yeah, <laughs> same problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's like how Israel's the same as Palestine. Yeah. Um, so like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so so uh, with the Venezuelan miner and or with the Venezuelan journalist who covers mining, I guess he does some mining himself, I think. And, uh, and, and, and I was debating with Isabella um, about the merits of like Bitcoin in Venezuela. And so Pe- uh, Peter Merling, Peter Merling? Perry. Perry Merling was on that panel with her and they were debating, you can listen to the panel online, um, about the benefits of the benefits of Venezuela uh, or the benefits of Bitcoin to Venezuela. Which oh, wow. I think largely okay. grew out of like the contextually out of like our, our like my discussion with her about like Venezuela and mining, <laughs> which is huh. really funny. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. That's really interesting. I didn't, uh-huh. I didn't know that like he was part of that. So yeah, he was. Ha. Huh. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, and and so like yeah he's 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 a monetarist he's he's very smart he knows a lot about the history of money I like him yeah. a lot well part of his course incorporates what happened in two thousand eight into like this is what we know and this is what we think we understand and the parts of his course that I did like start or go through he goes into the history of like what what was why, why did we go from the gold standard to something else and I'm a moron so a lot of the stuff is not something I can just watch once and understand like I would need to like go back and like yeah yeah um. But he even gets into like like how war affected monetary policy like back during the world wars I think or he like alludes to that and so like it's it, it, it's actually really interesting it's just finding the time to kind of like you know there's so many things to learn and that's something to learn anyway part of the course he refers to a guy named Alan something who wrote uh, he had a bunch of the, he alludes to a, like an economist a money guy from the early 20th century who writes about the history of the evolution of the gold standard. Up until that point in time. And I just pulled off an expert just for us to talk about it here because I this is all kind of part of the material that he teaches. Um, like, w- there's an evolution of, like, the gold standard I- within the United States. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And uh, I farted. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel like I can smell that now. No, you can't, dude. Dude. There's no smell. It's just that they're, 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 they're not nauseous. They're innocuous. Maybe there's a brain trick. I don't know. I think that you were deciding that it smells. I decided it smelled. So Pivnert, my friend. It couldn't even expand that quickly. <laughs> um, the Coinage Act uh, was a way to... Basically, like, the United States Mint at the time was, like, collecting silver. And they were like minting it like at at a, at a, at, a, at a price. Like they had a whole system set up. Of course. And we had these American dollar coins, which were made of silver. Beautiful coins. Um. Basically, what was going on was that uh, in the West Indies, uh, 
the American dollar and the Spanish dollar at the time were accepted of equal value. Uh, the difference is that the Spanish dollar contained slightly more silver, but the natives were more willing. They wanted the American dollar because it was new and shinier. It was like a new thing. So what American merchants were doing in like these, these early money dealers was that they found an arbitrage opportunity. I guess you would call it an arbitrage opportunity. To, um, to, to exchange the American dollars for the heavier Spanish coins, send them back to the mint, um, and then essentially get coins in a greater so number with of American dollars. Like, with the mint to like pay them in, in so US in other dollars words, for it, or he, how did that work? Here's, here's a bunch of Spanish dollars it, we, that we're measuring in the amount of silver in them, and we're, we'll give you American dollars back according to how much silver was in them. So they were trading American silver dollars to the the West Indy natives for Spanish silver dollars, sending those Spanish silver dollars back to the American mint. And the policy at the time due to the coinage act was to take, or, or maybe they were melting it on so the so silver they themselves. Would weigh, they, would, they would pay based on would, weight? Based off the so, weight. So the, of the, the United States was actually buying silver from people. Yes. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. What an amazing perpetual motion money scheme. That's, I mean, that's a well, history of money, Well, it got done out quickly, and I think in, uh, Jefferson was president at the time. He, he told them, we got to stop this. So of it was, course, because it it's probably bad policy. for international uh, relations. <laughs> well, it, it, well, it's bad for, right, it, it's not a good, I mean, it's bad for, uh, you know, like, but that, that, that's, it, this was like in 1806. Right. right. It's a funny little arbitrage opportunity that was going on. And then, like, the coinage act, I think there's different versions of it. It, it expands beyond there. If, if, I, if I get to some of that material a little bit more, or if anybody listening wants to like, you know, look this stuff up, it's it, there is an interesting history there. Dude, some of the I'm looking at these like um, the Morgan uh, silver coins. There's an 1895 one dollar Morgan uh, silver coin uh, for 164 thousand dollars. Wow, uncirculated. Wow, that's 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 some history right there. Well, I mean, I just think it's amazing. Like, if if you complain about like. Um, like inflation, you should just hold all your money in coins. You could put it in your closet, and uh, just you know, in a hundred years, sell them for like their 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 uh, uh, numismat numismatic value. Yeah. Right. Rather than uh, rather than holding on for the like one dollar, like instead of buying groceries with this, you could just sell it for hundred sixty three thousand dollars. Yeah. It's a great investment. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> god damn it! Wow. Oh my god. I um, like that. I, I didn't know that. That's 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 interesting. I'm glad you're learning things, Sean. That's that's why you're here. That's why you're here to learn things. <laughs> Interesting. That's great. Yeah. Um, but that, I mean, like, it, it's such a it's such a huge field that, like, I don't know. It's just it's interesting that, like, um, that it is that that it's there. It's it's kind of fun. Right. Speaking of the speaking of people we had at the meetup, that we had, the, the same guy <laughs> was talking about like the unbanked. Yeah. Which he we, like. Here, you know, I think it's funny how, how often I've heard the word unbanked. None of us knew what the unbanked were until we got to Bitcoin. Right. And none of us cared. It was probably, was it, was, was Andreas the first person to talk about the I don't unbanked? Know, I don't know who Maybe. the first person was, but honestly, like, th this whole unbanked thing, I'm sick of it. Like, you don't care about the unbanked. You don't care about the unbanked. Stop saying it. Right. Like, Bitcoiners don't give a fuck. They don't know anything about the unbanked. They don't know anything about like who needs bank accounts. They don't know whether it's an inefficiency. I think it's funny that this is like a tragedy. Like people are like, oh, it's so tragic that some people don't have banks. And then we propose Bitcoin as a solution. Because if the tragedy is that they don't have bank accounts, Bitcoin doesn't solve that part of the problem. Right. Because they still don't have bank accounts with Bitcoin. Right. And the presumption is that their current solution for getting around the need for banks or getting around banks is inferior to what Bitcoin. Right. But you don't know that. Yeah. Like in Africa, they have like cell phone minutes. 
they basically trade these credits. They're highly fungible and highly like valued because of uh, the fact that they, they have a utility of any sort at all. And th- that works. Yeah. It works really well. They, 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 those people have that solution that they've come upon right. that, that works really and well. And maybe they're unbanked, but they're unbanked because they have like $4 to their name. And like, they're you not, know. Ba- to be banked is something that you have to like, you have to meet certain requirements for. And like, that's just not, that's just not a thing that would be banked. Like well, the, could, banking like, means it has well, to be efficient to bank you, right? It has to be efficient. Right. To, like hold you, to be a not holder of your value. Being banked isn't like a human right, right? Like it's not... <laughs> well, <laughs> in part, like the thing, is, the thing is you need to... Okay, so banking, banking requires... Banking is a human right. I like banking that. is not a human right, but I, th- I think that's great. In order, in order to do banking, you have to have a strong credit system, right? Okay. And you have to have people that are injecting money into the system. So like, in, yeah, I don't know. I mean, unless you have like an entrepreneurial da- uh, like base... Um, where people are needing to do things like lend money and, and you know, get collateralized debt and stuff like that, you don't really need banks because mm-hmm. there's no way for a bank to profit. Yeah. If, if you're just raising goddamn cows, unless you, need, unless you need to, like, raise cows at scale where you need to, like, go get a loan for the number of cows you need to buy and you can actually pay that loan back because you understand um, sort of, like, the financing of it. Like, loan, the loan infrastructure is an amazingly new innovation. Mm. Oh, yeah. Right? It's, I mean, it's amazing. Like, bankruptcy is an amazingly new innovation. Do you know how bankruptcy was made? How it came about? The railroads or something. Because cause only the U.S. has bankruptcy. No, no, it's well, not, the not, only not only the U.S. But, like, it, but bankruptcy is a distinctly uni- like invention of the United States, a distinct right. invention of the United States. And, like, so what happened is these, a lot of people were building these railroads, right? And they wouldn't necessarily be able to, like, make them profitable in time, and their, their companies would just go to zero dollars. They would mm-hmm. have no money left. So, like, we built this thing called, like, you know, what, Chapter 11 Bankruptcy, I think it was, uh, which allows restructuring of the company um, and allows basically redemption in the bankruptcy process. And the reason is, is because if you're a bank and you have a collateralized loan and let's say the company fails to pay, what are you going to do for the collateral? You're going to go seize the property, right? Mm -hmm. So you would have had a bunch of banks owning railroads, (laughs) like railroad spikes. What the fuck is a bank going to do with a railroad spike? Are you asking, or is it like a... Yeah, I'm asking. I don't know. They didn't either. Right. <laughs> so what they did is they're like, okay, how about this? We allow you to restructure such that uh, you can actually, since you know about railroads, you can actually like eventually come to making a profit on this, and we'll make a profit on the money part, which we loaned you. Because like we don't know shit about running a, a railroad, and we don't want that to be our core competency. Right. Whereas you know a lot about it, and you don't want to be like lending money as right. your core competency. It was in no one's interest to, to let them... Or to seize that railroad. No like, one wanted like to seize it, no and nobody it. didn't want it to work. Right. So we developed Chapter 11 bankruptcy, which is redemptive bankruptcy in the United States for the purpose of essentially letting companies grow. And it was it was government, it was government, uh, like largely government, like government helped. It was bank infused and bank uh, bank backed. It, it was it's funny because like you talk about like the the market coming up with like ideas like this, and in some ways the market did with the help of the government. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. Chapter well, 11 is an amazing, <laughs> like, redemptive bankruptcy is amazing. Well, that's the stupid thing about the whole libertarian free market idea is the government is part of the market. The market is, like, this broader concept, and, like, the government does play a role I, in that. I, I do think it's funny that, like, you don't include the government as part of the market. The government's nothing but an inefficiency when you're, like, when you're looking at it that way. The government, like, the risk, government helps with risk. Mm-hmm. Government helps change risk profiles. Now, you don't have to like it. You can you can say you want to minimize the uh, de-risking of, of of things because you think that like I don't know maybe it's more profitable as an economy maybe you dislike the way that government stands in the way of things um, I don't know 
Maybe maybe you want sort of this wild, wild west sort of like investment scheme, you know? Like the Financial Times was founded basically to provide data on like early pink sheets to say like, look, some of these are legitimate, some of them aren't, and do analysis on basically their white papers. Mm -hmm. That's why huh. they were founded. But, you know... Now, you know, now, now they're doing other things. They're doing, like, general financial news as a whole. Right. Um, but, yeah, huh. like, like th and that was a market finding. You know, th the market needed that. The market needed sort of a ratings-type agency, if you will. Um, and that was, a, that was a great role for them to fill. And I think they should be doing it with ICOs. <laughs> <laughs> rating of zero. Yeah. Zero. Zero. Yeah. Maybe a rating of, like, 10 out of 10 on an ICO is, like, not, not attempting to scam. Yeah. Well... Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, it, there's just like, or I don't even know about. I don't know anything about railroads, but like, there, there's, there's, there's just. I'm kind of gonna gonna go off on a tangent here. Well, that's not, not unusual. Um, like, there's just there's just areas where like the market doesn't, without the government, doesn't supply the for, like the certain incentives needed, where like you do need a government solution to to allow other things to happen within within that market, like like. You know, public transportation is not profitable. Interesting. Right? I mean, as far as I know, it's not. So, like, what you need is you need other market forces. Like, you need the government to actually, like, step in and, and provide public transportation to an extent because, like, that, that helps. You may or may not be correct. You may or may not, not need it. But, like, I, I'm just saying, like, we have it. And it is dumb to, like, excise the, the government as a, a, a market, like, a market mm -hmm. uh influencer mm. it's not just an influencer it is part of the market i think that's where like the, sort of the 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 misidentification comes um did you hear about this new cryptocurrency by the way w which one clash of clans <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> clash of clans coin <laughs> um so apparently the government is using uh, or uh, not the government, not the government individuals right. are using clash of clans to launder money from stolen credit cards. Clash, <laughs> Clash of Clans is one of those mobile games. It's like yeah. highly addictive. Like you, it's super, free. I think they had a Super Bowl commercial, dude. They're they're huge. Oh yeah, these games get big, dude. They're, they're all like the freemium model. So like you, it's it's a you, it's it's uh, it costs nothing to play, but there's a lot of ways to spend money in the game that give you like upgrades and shit. I think Clash of Clans is like one of the more popular. So ones. what do they do? They do that and then they sell the accounts or something like that, so they get dollars. Well, I went to uh, one of the sites that they mentioned is interesting. It's g2g.com. And uh, they're, what they found is that the, basically they, they, they found like, a, uh, they did like an audit of one of these, uh, of some database, I guess, for the company. I like, I like they, 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 they used MongoDB. That's a blockchain, by the way. Yeah, MongoDB. Well, yeah, we they, know it's they, a blockchain. They did an audit of the blockchain. Because we, we know that MongoDB is a blockchain because it's the database that Symbiont uses. Yeah. <laughs> for... <laughs> For their for their, for their it's, blockchain, it's, it's, yeah. for their blockchain instances, oh such yeah, as their Vanguard blockchain, which we talked about a couple episodes ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it's a great blockchain solution. Anyway, um, they were uh, they were using like stolen credit cards to buy in-game items and in-game currency, and, and then, then selling and then the accounts. Selling, right. Okay, that's that's exactly what I thought they would do. So like they're they're bringing it in using stolen credit cards. They're selling the accounts with that those things in them. Taking the money that they get and then running. Yeah. Okay. I love or, it. or some of these games have in-game currencies, in-game items you can sell. Or and because I, I was always like, well, if you can, if, if you're a game manufacturer, you can find ways to prevent people from 
Man, like manipulating the in-game economy, so it's basically like a one-way. You can get money in there, but you can't get money out. Well, what's funny but is that like a lot of these sites, the site has like a lot of accounts you can sell. Right. So you just pump the account up with like these funds Pe- and then just sell them. I think that people start these things because like they they want to like I know GTG. They they they're they're these disaffected gamers who want to like be able to sell games or sell like accounts. You know, like World of Warcraft years ago was doing that. People are selling them on eBay, and people don't understand why like these companies like Blizzard cracked down on it mm-hmm. because it seems very innocent. Mm. But you don't realize how how easy it is to basically use these games as like means of like moving money. Yeah, because it's just value. Yeah, and and do you know whose liability that is? It's fucking Blizzard's. Yeah, which is hilarious. Oh yeah, it, they're 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 there. I saw that there was a case where and they weren't able to basically the FBI raided a dorm room a number of years ago because they 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 <laughs> thought that there was a money laundering scheme happening with these kids that were playing World of Warcraft and the kids were like we we, we don't play World of Warcraft. I think the FBI may have gotten like who they were going after wrong. It was, it was the wrong dorm. It was the next one over. But they had to. But that means that they had to like. They've been. In, they had to like subpoena Blizzard for like that that information. So like, you, who knows where like how far deep law enforcement has gone against these companies and saying, look, we we know there's these weird money laundering. Do you think Donald Trump plays World of Warcraft? His son might. Baron Trump. <laughs> Baron Trump, the the, the wow magnet. He's or probably something. like the best because I bet the White House has like the best internet. Yeah, they probably do. Well, that, that that goes to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, like you 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 have these. Also, what was interesting was that like because they were uh, using the stolen credit cards on like uh, you know they're obviously like buying these games, buying these in-game right. items through the, the through the mobile platform. Most of them were coming from iPhones. Really? Apparently. Apple isn't doing as good of a job as Google as authenticating the credit cards at the Play Store. Me. Interesting. So I thought that was kind of an interesting tip of knowledge. Yeah. Are they using Apple Pay? Uh, well, I don't. Th- um, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I think with like, in other words, like you, you hook your your iPhone up to like use your credit card, and Apple does the very simple like we'll we'll, uh, we'll send a dollar and then we'll or with we'll, we'll charge a dollar to that account just right. Like, you what know, does Google Play do? to hook it up? But then, but then, once that information, that credit card stored in like the App Store, I guess, then then they can use that to buy the games and buy the in-game items. Isn't that exactly how Google Play works? Yeah, but Google Play's authentication, Google's authentication system is different. That's, that's so weird. I, 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 I I'm very curious about that. I wonder if that's actually true. I yeah. I mean, that's that's what this this was from Vice. This was yeah. this article. I'd like said, I'd like to know how that how that's true because I don't think that is. It, it, it seems kind of weird, right? It seems impossible. It doesn't seem right. It seems like they did not do their job of asking questions on that one. That seems like an assertion more than a fact. Yeah, it says the guy said he said um, Apple could they could stop they could stop these scams by doing a better job verifying credit cards. Um, that, that sounds like someone who doesn't know how credit cards are verified. Because I'm guessing that Google and Apple probably use exactly the same scheme for verifying right? credit cards. Yeah, but they said that like. A stricter credit card. Oh, you know what? It'll probably it, it's probably because like the people that it might it might have more to do with the users of of those phone. Maybe. What do you mean? No, actually, that wouldn't make it. I, I don't know. I like it, it. Just seems to me that all you're doing with the credit card verification is like determining whether the address is the same, like the zip code is the same as the credit card number, and being able to sign off because like you use like your you know the the back three numbers or whatever. Which is what Google requires. I can't imagine that Apple doesn't also. And all they have to do is ping like the credit card uh, and see if that is in fact a legitimate credit card. Like I, I don't think you can do more verification than that unless you want to like expend a lot of resources mm-hmm. in terms of doing like 
uh, you know, a lot, a lot of fraud analysis. Maybe it was that the credit card, the names and the addresses did not like they were not matching up with um, with like the the actual uh, like uh, like pay app, you know, all, all pay you can do store account or something. But, but, all but you like, can, all maybe you can, yeah, that could be it. Maybe that maybe that's it. So Google, for some reason, when they when you when they at a credit card, they do a better job of verifying the play store to the credit card. That could be it. That could be very well. Uh, yeah. I, th I think that might be like the reason why. So Google requires a little bit more information to match up with their record than that could be it. I, I'm, I'm very curious. Um, but yeah, like mm. I think that's interesting. Like if it can be defrauded, it will be defrauded. And there are people out there that will use it for that. So uh, what's happened? Uh, did they like return money to accounts that like people bought or did they say like, we told you not to do that? I don't know. Um, I'm not sure what I'm not sure if it, how much they are unwinded. Like, liabilities. Is it Apple's liability or is it Clash of Clans? Right. Right. Who's who's liable in that case? I, I bet it's Clash of Clans. Because like if I because if probably and if I was Clash of Clans, I would go I would sue Apple because they didn't do a good job. Who knows? I, I don't know what don't their know. obligation is. I mean they're they're just creating a digital thing. So like if someone's buying stuff in there, like it's it's a funny problem because like you're not buying something of actual value, right? You're buying a sword in a game. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're getting a real sword. So all they have to do is like delete it, <laughs> right? So I mean I don't know, um, yeah. So well, I guess I also like I don't know like if you buy if you buy, uh, that's also what's really interesting because like if you're purchasing in-game items, like can they? Like, like, and I'm trading it like player to player. Like some of these items, like, like it, it might be really hard to understand if it's against the term of service or not. Like buying accounts is going to be against these games terms of right. service. Almost but always. But it's a little bit harder. For this reason, by the way, when the nature of these items is to trade them and stuff. So I don't, I don't know. Dude, there, there's, there's so many weird businesses right now. I know, I know a guy running a Pokemon mining business, basically, where he like, oh yeah, yeah he, he, he has these like uh, bots making Pokemon Go accounts. Mm -hmm. And he then sells them in the market. So, it, like, a market has now, like, cropped up for Pokemon Go accounts in all sorts of places. And you have to buy these Pokemon Go accounts in bulk, right, to run things like map services so that you can see where Pokemon are in a region. Right. And he sells because, the because accounts you need, you to need the to have mappers. the account in, like, a bunch of places to uh -huh. see what you're and, right. And among, and among the people that make the maps, there's, like, these weird races, like, who can make the most accounts and level them up fast enough because there's some, like, uh, problems with having accounts that are low levels. Huh. So it's a market, and it's amazing. Wow. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That that that's really fascinating. Uh -huh. It's so interesting. The game, uh, like you know, we, I mentioned last time, like I'm like kind of you know like lightning's awesome and shit, but like what are the uses for micropayments? And right. It seems like we're gonna find gaming reasons. Like it just could very well be like the virtual world. Well, I've been telling him that like Bitcoin. I, I've been telling him this like that that market is perfect for Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Like if I were him, I'd be selling these things for Bitcoin. Yeah. Like, like you give me Bitcoin, I will give you the account. That is the perfect thing for Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Like nothing reversible, everything is untraceable, quasi. Uh, and you know, like it's just perfect for Bitcoin. Like you could be selling the the, the Pokemon Go accounts on the darknet markets. That's where I would be selling them. Um, it, it's just very funny because like that's exactly what it's like a gray market item because uh, uh, Niantic and Nintendo don't want these things to be sold, so they go after companies that do it. So, like, what do you got to do? You got to, like, sell them in the gray market. Yeah. It's it's a weird, like... Uh, right now they're using Discord, by the way. Huh. Largely. Well, yeah. there's so many, there's so many gaming, mm. there's so many avenues to go about doing it. Like, you could see the, like, the World of Warcraft gold sellers, right? right? You could see the EVE people, like, like even the EVE company hire an economist to manage their in-game economy. These these might all be the early phases of like what the future is going to look like, and it's going to be like, 
you're going to see more and more cases of like these. Well, I used to sell World of Warcraft gold for, for Bitcoin. You told me that yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. Long, long time. Like it was, it was really funny. Like you and, uh, you and, uh, you and uh, Brock Pierce. Yeah. Me and Brock Pierce. Did he do that? I th- I'm fairly confident he got into Bitcoin through that, doing those things or being involved in that space. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. Because, like yeah, because what, uh, who's the guy? Oh, Steve Bannon was the head of a company somewhere in Asia that was like doing, uh, Gold selling. They're probably our competition. Probably, but I think I, I, I swear to God, dude, I think they were all like they were they were like involved yeah. in those markets. Dude, it was such a weird operation because like okay, so so here's the thing with it, like Blizzard wouldn't. It was it was difficult to buy and be profitable if you bought your game, your uh, your World of Warcraft game here in the U.S. Right, and and because you're not actually playing it, it, it doesn't matter what language it's in. So you find all these like weird arbitrage opportunities. Like for example, you buy it. We would I would buy Russian copies of world of warcraft okay because they were like five bucks a piece wow and right. and and i would register it i would have no idea what it's cyrillic so i wouldn't fucking know what it said and and then we'd give it to the bots and the bots would start mining and you would just mine 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 and then uh and then i would over skype i would have a bunch of like people that needed bulk uh world of warcraft gold they would purchase it using bitcoin and then we, you'd show up in the game and basically just do exchanges with them you'd have to like meet in the game You'd, you'd sell it to them, you'd give it to them, and then you'd uh, and then they would go off and do whatever with it. I don't know what they would do, but they would they would be buying it in bulk, and there was like a daily spot price that you would give them, so you'd negotiate it in Skype, and they would say like you know like I, right now I have someone who can give me fifty you know fifty million um, for this price, like you have to match that, or I'm gonna go with him. You'd be like okay, fine, I'll match it. So like it was really weird because it was like a sort of like you know off the books market, very over the counter, and you'd be generating the gold basically through like Bitcoin mining essentially, which is very interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah, you you were kind of a miner. Yeah, I was yeah. I was a miner. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was funny. It was it was a neat little operation. And the the more people, the more gold you'd make, the more you could do, like more computers you could get. Um, I would buy like these high end things, uh, these high end yeah. uh, desktops where you'd have like six or seven games going at once, right? Just like one one desktop, you just like be like having it you know run six or seven games, uh, and you just have them like mining. Right. It's it's amazing. It's really cool. So it's a cool little operation. That, that people are doing. You're up against I, like, companies in Asia that have like hundreds and hundreds of people doing this. Oh yeah, I wonder what the I wonder what that market specifically with World of Warcraft looks like now because recently in the game, like within the last few years, they implemented a system where you can buy gold. Yeah, right. Um, I remember that. I wonder. Well, if it like, probably sets a floor. Right. So then, well, they did it in a way that like it wasn't really a tradable thing. I, well, mm. yeah, I forget the details, but because I, I remember like thinking about it, me like how. Like, is there an opportunity where people are going to make be making more money? But I think it was like it was a way for like people who have been playing a lot to like buy game time. Oh, interesting. Okay. And then like you could buy the token and sell it for a lot of gold. So I could I could basically buy game time with my gold. Oh, interesting. Okay. Through an item that was only purchasable through like actually buying it. Huh. I think was the way it worked. Yeah. I, I do think it's interesting that like a lot of these games are making their own coins. Uh, like in uh, Fortnite, they have V Bucks. Okay. And they you can you buy V Bucks with money and you use V Bucks in the game. And I, I don't know why they do it. My guess is it's more a psycho a psychology game where like you feel like you're spending you get like ten thousand V Bucks, you're spending twelve hundred inst- instead of realizing you're spending like thirty bucks on something. Um, which is interesting because like I, I, I think it has something psychological going on there. And the, the V Bucks can kind of be pegged to the price of the dollar, they can sell it for whatever they want. Um, but like yeah, like I, I find that interesting that they're using well, V Bucks instead of bucks. Are items tradable in that game? Um, it depends on, I think, depending on which platform you are. 
But like, I mean, any item is essentially tradable because you could just sell your account, right? Well, that, well, that's what it comes down to. You can just sell the account, right? You don't, you don't need the. Because a lot of these games, they don't really have an option to actually trade anything between players or between. Right. But then it's like, well, you can just trade the account. Right. And that's really hard to prevent. Of course. You, so well, you can't really prevent it. That's that's what's amazing about it. Like, right. what are you gonna do? Like, if you're if if you're uh, you know Epic, are you gonna like buy every single account that comes on the market for sale? No, you can't. Right. You, you go bankrupt. Although maybe, because Fortnite apparently just reached a billion dollars in terms of revenues. Wow. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? That's crazy. Like the one-year anniversary is coming up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are they they continuing to make improvements to the game? Yes, all the time. Okay. Dude, they're operating it in seasons. Yeah, that's so. That's so, like, so there's like an emphasis. Le- like you Le- have to keep playing. It's I'm like telling crack. you, League of Legends does the same thing, and I bet there's some guy out there that would say that League of Legends b- based that model off of like something else. The seasons are. I mean, you can play any time, but there are like they're 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 ranked. So like those seasons, like during that ranked period of time, that's when like the good players rise to the top and compete. Interesting. And the seasons have like certain things attached to them. Right. League of Legends was just like this. Interesting. And we would like you could spend money on skins, items, and it was a free game. Like. Yeah, I remember that. Like that, that's uh, League of Legends was amazing. Like same the thing. The difference with, with was the, 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 the difference was like with like Fortnite the game plays more like um like that game PUBG where it's like a third person shooter uh and you're you're just kind of shooting in like a battle royale. Yeah. It's exactly that. Yeah. Um, what I, what League I think Legends, is I've been talking a lot about Which by the way, League of Legends like the model the game model itself was actually based off of Dota. Uh which is Defense Dota? of the Ancients. Oh, okay. And that's an actual game that you can Download and play, but Dota cost money. No, no, Dota was not. Dota was actually a mod of Warcraft Three. Well, I was gonna say when I when I so, see people so what, play what, League what, of Legends, what, what happened my was Blizzard Blizzard made an RTS game called like the the, the original Warcraft series, Warcraft Three. They modded which that, I loved, and that mod was a lot more fun to play in multiplayer than. Uh, the other thing, so the mod actually became its own game, and then League of Legends, like the League of Legends' entire model seemed to work better, but it's the same game def- of Defense of the Angels. Who would have thought that free games would be the future? It's mind-blowing. And like, people it, spend it way more model. money per game than well, they what's, do. What's going to happen here? Nintendo's going to come out with free games, and they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna make a billion dollars if they do it right. Yeah. Like, th- that's obscene. Like, I think about it. Like, when I was playing Pokemon... Back in the day, I spent $35 on the cartridge, and that was it. That was that. Mm-hmm. On, on Fortnite, I know people that are, are spending three, dollars $400 a month getting, like, skins and shit. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I, I also think it's interesting that people think that the, uh, the, the Battle Royale model is what's making Fortnite. Uh, it, it seems they think that it's the juice, but it's not. It's not the juice. Like, PUBG has it. Everyone's coming out with these Battle Royale games now. I don't think they're going to get the uptake. Well, what do you think? I mean, you, you think the juice is... Like I think I think the juice of Fortnite is, number one, it just got the network effect. Number two, uh, they had that building mod, which is very different than any other game. So they kind of look at all these other games. Anytime someone adds something that players like, they just incorporate it into Fortnite. But, like, the building aspect is so innovative. It's so interesting. Because, like, you can be playing, and, and if someone shoots you... You can get out of get out of it alive and kill them by building around yourself, building a fort, and then like playing it better than that person. So it's like a little chess mm-hmm. game. It's amazing. Like it's like the first shooting game where the first person to get the shot off doesn't really win necessarily. Mm. It's amazing. Yeah, I think. Well, that, I think that is, Nintendo has a significant opportunity if they were to basically do the same type of model, but with like a Pokemon 
um, actual like in in world Pokemon type game where you're like walking around. There's like live wild Pokemon places, mm. and you sneak up on them, you catch them, you you, know, you meet other trainers in the field, you battle them. I think that would be the kind of game that Nintendo would that would explode for Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah, I bet that would be like really dude. Good think game. about that. Well, they have some Pokemon games uh, coming up. Like they have a game that's supposed to be like a. Uh, it's actually for Pokemon Go players. And it allows you to kind of play like Pokemon Go on the Nintendo uh, Switch. I agree. Something, something I, I've like seen that. this, and it's stupid. The reason it's stupid is because, like, I think now that you have these uh, the ability to do these like giant RTSs, um, what you should do if you're if you're Nintendo is 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 grab like the season type thing, and then just do like a hundred v one hundred, but not a hundred v one hundred, right? Do an ongoing sort of battle royale type thing where you're actually like able to like take over gyms, to like have conversations, team, to like team based, yeah, like, yeah, to like actually to, like actually have like. Um, like sort of a, a long, a long played game, um, and and like I don't know, give them like if you had a gym that you had to defend, you could go like take the gym over. Uh, you could have a team based thing where you're like taking over gyms together. Um, you know, you leave your Pokemon in the gym. You have to return if you know, someone challenges you to a match. Um, you know, actually have like timed like events and stuff like that. Right. Uh, it would be if they got the uptake, it would be astounding. Yeah. How amazing that would be. Yeah, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. There, Nintendo might do that. I bet Blizzard's going to come out with something uh, like something new. Um, but but I, I think that you can't do it where like you're competing with like the battle royale. I think the battle royale uh, mod seems to have sort of this like network effect thing where like the one that wins wins. I think it's going to be difficult to have two, especially when one has like 30 million players. Well, but the thing is, is like League of Legends is ki- well, it's actually not a battle royale. You need you need a whole new game model. Yeah, you need something different that you other people can like play also. Yeah. In addition. So Fortnite won the the battle royale. Yeah, model. I think Fortnite is the battle royale game. I, I think that if you keep coming out with battle royale games, that's fine. You need a new. Yeah. I think that Pokemon has a significant opportunity. I think that they could just kill it if they like came out with something interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's my my belief. I think Nintendo would just be so <laughs> so fucking much money. Think about that. It'd be just amazing. Going to different regions, like actually having like mm-hmm. travel time to places, like I don't know, camping in regions. Like I, I don't know. Like I think they could make a really big map that takes hours and hours to get from one end to the other and just add to it, just like Fortnite. Um, do, do you know what Nintendo is also doing with their Switch platform? Is that I see a lot of these indie games that are only like available on Steam that are like fun to play, but yeah. they're like made by like one dude. They're adopting them for like the Switch. Yeah, I've seen that too. Because I, you kind of, I think the other side of the growth is like you have like these indie games that are like. Sing- I think, I, I think that Xbox and PS4 have always done that. So like for example, like there's a game in PS4 called Gang Beasts. Okay. It's it's like an indie game. It's yeah. it's absolutely hilarious. I, I, I play indie games occasionally if they're on uh, if on Linux, just because like. <laughs> well, there's some really fun games out there. Um, what was it, Mr. Meat Boy or whatever? That was that was a big one for a while. I tried. Uh, What's the Stardew Valley? Oh. Okay. What's that one? Is that that one that was like a scam? No. It's made, it was made by one guy. And then I think... Um, was that the, f- the airplane flying game? No, no. You, no. Just, you, you, you have a farm and you like... It, it's very like you, 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 you do crop... You, you, you harvest... You have to build a farm up. You have to like develop crops and stuff. It, basically, you, the, guy, the, guy, the guy was inspired by an old game called Harvest Moon. I remember then, Harvest and Moon. Then built, and it's Harvest like Moon is based... It was, was that first or was Animal... Crossing first. I think Harvest Moon was first. Animal Crossing was an amazing game. Yeah. And Harvest Moon. Well, it's I one of those indie game. Well, it's one of those indie games where it's like it's just very nice and like oh you have, there's like a schedule and you have to like har- you have to like plant crops and it's like okay 
Um, I only played it for like a, like a week, but I loved Animal Crossing. You have to you have to like build you have to like find like the profitable things per season. So like during autumn, like there's certain seeds that are gonna yield you the 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 most amount of of gold, I guess. Nice. And uh, you have to base it off of that. There's another game indie game I found that's a, a really fun like you die and you go back to zero type of game called Enter the Gungeon. And it's a very intense gun-based game. Dude, there's a lot I of like these, these they're, indie they're, games. They're, they're, they're just, really fun. They're, they're amazing. Well, I think that what's interesting about the video game history is that there's it's all iterative, right? Everything is so fucking iterative. Like you hear about that, like all of that probably started with Sim Farm. Uh, like Sim, oh, like the Sim Farm, like the Sim, Sim City, Sim City 2000. There was Sim Farm. Sim Farm was like this amazing game where you'd like build, you'd have crops. You'd have to like you'd have to buy farm equipment to like mm. make sure that your crops did well. Yeah. You'd have to like set up a calendar to make sure that you're giving them fungicide, pesticide, uh, herbicide, and fertilizer. Yeah. And you'd have to keep them all healthy. Yeah. And then you could like either sell them, like put them in silos and sell them when the prices went up. Yeah. Um, which was quasi random. Well, and it was amazing. There's interesting because there's kind of this duality of like there's games where you just fight duality and kill and attack. Gaming. And then there's games where you have to like build and like and yeah. like create things over time and stuff. And they're very different models. But, but games are art. They're just iterative. So like like people like are playing these things and like eventually what happens is people start incorporating these elements into the game from the game and you end up with like Fortnite. So somehow you can get like from Sim Farm to Fortnite. I guarantee you that there is like a Sim Farm to Fortnite iteration. Like, well, I was inspired by this and I was inspired by this and I was inspired by this. And then eventually you get back to like Sim Ant or Sim Farm or like uh, I, I don't know what theme hospital or something like that from the like roller coaster tycoon two. Mm. Like I'll bet you a lot of these games are iterations of like elements from those games, mm. which is amazing. Yeah, crazy taxi. Well, it also it also coincides with like the 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 because because you you need an ability to like save the state of the game. Otherwise, like you if you go back to zero, like you lost everything that right. you built. Versus like the arcade games of like they're just really fun and intense, and you just go back to zero. You're just time. trying to like beat the the, the record. Yeah. Dude, there's an arcade um, game place down here, right? There's, there's oh, actually. I, I've been there. Okay, so there's the tenth level. That was down here in Florida, okay. uh, which is down by like the Funky Buddha. No. Oh, that was uh, no, that was um, the, the Kickstarter one. That was like, I think it's called the tenth level. It's something like that, but, but there's the other one. Now there's one called the Glitch Bar. Have you been there? Yeah. Yeah. Did so you play that one game? The 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 one with the like bees. Yeah. Yes. So that was exactly what I was gonna talk about. Was okay. That there's like a game I there. Right. Yeah. I think that. They made that game, or some indie developer has made that game. That's some weird indie game, and they're very like, be careful with drinks around this game. And like, that game was constantly being played because it's four v four, and people are you can constantly. It's every game is like a new game, and everyone just keeps coming up to play that game. Right. Yeah, that's a really cool game. Like people were playing that more than they were playing the uh, Killer Queen Arcade. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Yep. Killer Killer Queen Arcade. I, oh, they have a, it looks like they have a, a, a phone version of it or something. And it's weird because like there's there's a there's a harvest resource element to it. Like there's you have to fight and like fly around and yeah, kill. Yeah, you can also harvest. There's like three ways to win. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Okay, so this is definitely the, the you can have one um in your house. It's it's very interesting. I'm looking at it right here. Amazing. I'm glad I kind of want to buy one. I mean, that <laughs> if you have the money to spend it, it's kind of a fun thing to have. It's just you could also just go there and play that game with like those people. Yeah, dude, I, I just think this is really cool. Like, I j it's uh, it's it's called Killer Queen, um, and it's it's a really cool like it's it's a new type. It's an arc it looks like arcade games are having a resurgence in some ways. Like, it, I was thinking about it the other day. Like, the economics of running an arcade game place were real interesting because I, I think they were run by like you know guys who just wanted to have the arcades and they kind of wanted to break even or just you know make enough to like live and then they could play their games, right? 
I think I think a lot of what's happened is that like people that used to play at those arcades are getting older and they still want to like have the arcade experience. So what's happened now is you have arcade games at bars, mm-hmm. which is interesting because restaurants have very low margin on food, but bars tend to have fairly high margin on drinks. So like now you have a, a thing where like you used to be able to play these arcade games and break even combined with like the high margin drink operation. I'm very curious as to what the economics look like in these places. I think there's a lot of young people that are in those places too that just would play video games normally on a Friday night. Right. Now they can go out with their buddies and, and I would charge like four dollars for a soda there. And I mean like there were more girls than I thought there would be there. There's so, like, so many girls. It, and that's more girls play games now and like or like that's fun. So like you I think th- I'd rather I'd rather go to a bar like that than like your typical loud music like I fucking hate the loud music bars where you're like dancing shitty. Well, it's hard to have a conversation. <laughs> it, it, when I went to the glitch bar they were playing music but you can you could still talk uh-huh. and, it, or not. You just play the game. Like there's there's something to do what, besides what just, just standing around drinking. What I disliked like, about it is how full it was. It was still fucking full. It's a popular place yeah but but i will say that they have like games out in the parking lot and stuff like that so like it's it's an interesting place that model by the way i first saw that in denver years ago there's a place um called one up i think interesting and it's like a whole underground little bar over there but over there you actually have to pay the quarters to play the games at these places the economics must work out free because because they're free which well, is great. Well, it's like, it's like, yeah. I mean, like, if you're going to a bar, if they could charge money for the games, or if they want, they could probably just like add on uh, some price to the beer. Um, but I, I mean, I think they're just trying to get people to drink. Just yeah. Drink as much as you want. Yeah. Just don't don't spill it on the on the games. Yeah. Great little great little model. I'm amazed at how respectful people are of the games. Like they seem to do a good job of not spilling on them. And I, you know, there's a lot of games there, like a lot of people. So like, I was I'm surprised there aren't just drunk people like, oh. But no, they don't. They're, they're pretty respectful of it. Mm-hmm. Um, with regard to like, what, what's this article here from uh, from Bloomberg about the? Oh, I threw this in. This wasn't that interesting. Well, the CFA, I guess, like to get be a certified CFA person, financial accountant. They added Bitcoin and blockchain and cryptocurrencies as part of like the the exam, like not certified topics. financial an- or chartered financial analyst. Yeah. Which like if you if you guys go to the finance subreddit like a lot of those guys are really skeptical and hate cryptocurrency shit and like I think they were kind of pissed off because this is that's actually where I found this article and it was like interesting because like they're like oh my god like now we have to learn about like this shit like this is, you know well those guys are dumb anyways like they're like a lot of those those financial <laughs> guys like they're selling shitty products to to people right. So like it's not like they it's not like they've ever learned anything about finance in the first place. But like those are the guys that have always been like very like Bitcoin skeptics that like talk about like how. Like some of the, I don't know. There's so many scams. I, the finance don't, that work. I, I don't, don't know. mind Bitcoin skeptics. What I do mind are people who like don't actually know anything about anything, trying to like decry Bitcoin because right. because what they don't know anything about finance. So now they also they 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 they, they, they are Bitcoin skeptics for the sole reason they don't want to learn about it, which they're apparently proving now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, well, but it's funny because now, now they're gonna have to learn about it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> duh. So that's kind of an interesting like thing that's changed. At least, at least North Korea has bitcoins, and uh, apparently, very rich. And apparently, they have a fuck ton too. Oh yeah, dude, they have ten thousand bitcoins in North Korea. Allegedly, I felt I saw this article, and I didn't, I didn't see any like. I, I want this to be true because, again, we've talked about this before. The Libertarians say that like Bitcoin is going to end war, like Roger Veer, which is very funny to me because all I see with with crypto <laughs> is that the the the, the worst dictator dictatorships in the in the world are okay. amassing huge amounts. Yeah, and and it's it's all going to the dictator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The shitty countries, the the bad yeah. people are and getting that's all gonna, the money, and that's going to end war. Oh making yeah, the, making the worst countries very rich. This article quoted. Well pers- done, Roger. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, let's see how far Nap gets in, in this world model. Right. Um, Priscilla Moriucci. Okay. She's apparently in charge of cybersecurity for the Asia Pacific region at the uh, the US NSA. Okay. And she thinks that about 10,000 Bitcoin have been acquired by the North Koreans last year. Okay. And that's by analyzing whatever internet data they can get and internet traffic and looking at like what is being mined and then being like, well, someone's, a lot someone's of, doing a lot a of mining North Korea. It has that's to be a lot North of Koreans. So like that's, that's, that's the argument here. As to so what, $70 million right now? Nice. Good job, Kim Jong-un. Good which, job. Which, which is a sizable amount for them. And oh, it's sizable, yeah. That's a that's, lot of Hennessy. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. No, Hennessy, Cognac. yeah. Weren't they like the, the biggest importers of it? Yeah. Is it Hennessy? I think it was Cognac. Cognac. Well, they were importing a fuck ton of it. They were they were the biggest. That was like one of the things that they were spending a lot of money well, on. Well, I know it was Cognac, but what kind of Cognac was Oh, it? I don't know anything about that. I stick with like other drinks. God, what are they... Yeah, Hennessy's Cognac. Is it Hennessy? Yeah. Is a Cognac house with headquarters in Cognac, know. France. I shouldn't know that. I'm just not you're, you're such a you're such a bad drinker. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so, man, oh, man. Can we talk a, a little bit about this Sharia certification for Stellar? Because I'm very excited about it. I, I think that I think that uh, I want to support a, a cryptocurrency that is Muslim-friendly, yeah. Uh, particularly in the in, in the wake of the Tommy Robbins and stuff, to show that I am an egalitarian, yeah, uh, ecumen ecumenist, ecumenist. I'm an ecumenical uh, lover of ecumenism. We like to see financial things and money and blockchains that support other religions and other faiths. I, I believe in all religions uh, being blockchain centric. I don't know what meets the requirement to be Sharia compliant. I think it can't be. It, it can't have, uh, you know, interest. But like not. None of those, none of those hook no Jews interest. What blockchain? People. What blockchain products have interest right now? Well, I, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe a, I, I don't know. Like maybe a, a Muslim rabbi has to declare it. Uh, Muslim rabbi? Compliant. You mean a Muslim imam? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Muslim rabbi. Jews. That, that's Muslim. That, same thing. That's a very, very, very big paradox. Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> same region. Same, same desert. <laughs> but, but like I'm very yeah. like so this is interesting like I I think I think that like others have declared Bitcoin uh, Sharia compliant as well I just I mean I I think it's funny that like <laughs> I just like the idea of like these imams like looking at it I like it too it like, come, what, like how do they decide this like are they reading the source code and then like you know I want to know how they do the ceremony of like de declaration like is it like and now I declare you Sharia compliant right. and slap a computer they face Mecca and I don't like, know what it is yeah. like it's very funny like I want to know like was there a research team. I just like that, like like the Seller Development Foundation makes an effort to like make these types of announcements. Did they make that announcement? Is that who is that who that's made the announcement? That's who it came from. Yeah, oh, that's even better. Yeah. Jed McCaleb really knows how to do this. Oh yeah, Jed, I love you. You are wonderful. Well, Islamic finance is a whole topic. Sharia because, like, certification. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. For payments and asset tokenization. Uh, Seller's going to win. The Gulf has to win. Cooperation Council. Stellar is Bitcoin. I'm going to just say that. <laughs> the, yeah. Is, yeah. That, is, that, is, that, is that the quote to, to go off of? That's, I think that's what we have to... Stellar is Bitcoin. If Bitcoin cash is Bitcoin, Stellar is Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, this week, Parity downgraded, <laughs> by the way, which is very funny. They, they've removed their GUI uh, so that you can't use it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because using it comes with a lot of problems. Yeah, it comes with some risks. And that it, a, a lot of the funds are still locked up. They download they downgrade the 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 GUI, so now most people can't use it. Are they going to keep the funds locked up or how's that going to work? I think no, I think I think there's still an ongoing like idea of of 
getting the, that money back. I haven't checked the latest. This is the Eeps. time. This uh, what? Eeps the Eeps. Ethereum improvement Beep. protocol. Well, the EAPs, there's been that EAP that was proposed as a way of getting those funds back in case of future situations like this. These parity funds may have been lost, but it kind of goes into what you said about how like if, like these blockchains just get less and less use over time. Yeah, I think Ethereum. So. Well, what is downgrading the GUI aside from just keeping people disused? Disusedness. Well, it's which also a lot of pressure on like the my, my Ethereum wallet, yeah, it, and Jacks. Because now Speaking people are going to have to use them. Yeah. Yeah. Jax, Jax uh, which supports every cryptocurrency ever. Yeah. And my Ether wallet, which supports Ethereum. Payment. Yeah. And is probably like the most hacked website of 2017. I bet it. I bet it was. I. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. I. I wouldn't be surprised. Please give me they, your private key. Here you go. <laughs> they probably have like somebody like. I want to know if someone's suing them. Probably. Probably David Silver. Yeah. <laughs> Like my ether, my eth, my ether wallet seems like the biggest like weird fucking thing. I I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm surprised I haven't seen more articles lately about like what they've been going through. But it, because they're still like trying to like be a wallet, right? Um, it'll be interesting to see like what comes out of there. Because like imagine like imagine them having to spend a lot of money on like like the top cybersecurity experts. Because there's like like you're 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 talking about like you have these big ten companies that are like targets for hacks. Right. They. I mean, think think of like think of like what their um, threat model like like their their specific. Right. Well, I, I think I think uh, my Ethereum wallet's run by like you know two children. Yeah. It's run by like these like kids. I I, I don't know what. I, I I think there's some bad security there. I guarantee it. I oh yeah. I guarantee you that there's going to be some like big exploit found there. Oh yeah. And then we'll buy all money. Well, there there have been exploits. I mean, yeah, there's well, there been, been there been plenty of them, but like. Maybe something even bigger. I just, I just feel like they're not going to like put the attention into security that they ought to be. Probably not. That's that's my assumption. Well, th- and that probably means that there's there's already like uh, there's probably already like a uh, whoever whoever's going to exploit that fall has already exploited it, and then they're just waiting for people to like log in and right. mass and like you just need a few minutes. Did you did you see this article on Best Buy? Yes. Did, yeah. Uh, it's, it's this really was, interesting to me. This popped up on on uh, Y Combinator. Um, the article was that, like, in the age of Amazon, like Best Buy should be dead. You'd think so, but it's not. And it went into some of the reasons why. Um, they had a CEO, like, be, like Best Buy was like really in the hole, like a few years ago. Like, like their stock was down, like revenue was down, like it was just not looking good. I mean, what? How? How can a retail store survive when you can just buy this shit off of Amazon? Right. Um, and it said that, like, you know, there's a few factors at play. The CEO who came in, like, did some things a little bit differently. Um, but it was, I don't know, like, there, there are a few tidbits here that I, that I, that I saw. Um, one was that, like, like, a lot of these tech companies uh, that want to showcase new products, like, they don't really have, like, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, well, maybe not Facebook in this case, but like Amazon, right. like even Amazon with like their Fire products, they don't have retail stores. Right. So when you're trying to get people into some of these technologies and you want to showcase them and like get them to buy like Google Home, right? Where do you do it? Where do you showcase like how you can do Google Home? And then when you have a model of like, okay, now you have more and more technology that you can a- upgrade to your house. Right. Is Google going to come by and help you set that up? Google. No. So Best Buy has actually been like putting like upping their geek squad interesting to train these people that are coming that are like th- like the best customer service representatives coming to your house helping you install 
giving you what you want. They said the model, like this one girl was being, she was like a, she was like in her thirties. She was being trained by Best Buy and she was in the like Orlando villages area. You have like these older people who like may not really be on the internet or they may like have just bought like Google home or so, so, so or, or the Amazon Echo. So I read the, ar- and the and they, I read the article. Okay? okay. And I'm looking at the, the, the Best Buy financials here. Okay. Okay. And they've been doing 300 million, 200 million uh, in terms of net income. Yeah. Okay. Um, so basically, their profits. So about 2.3, profit margin. I think that article's bullshit. Yeah? Yeah. Probably. Because here's why. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I never... Here, here's why. So like, like they, yeah, they, they, <laughs> they did the article. Uh, they're, they're making about $200 million in profits. And the article is saying it's because of these like operations. But I'm looking at this. You go back to 2017, probably 2016. They're doing about $200 million in actual profits. Okay. Okay. That hasn't changed. So I don't think, and I don't think, I think that the, the article says there's 300 of these people operating on the ground. Oh, yeah, that new initiative's it, new. I think it's new. But I, yeah. think that, I think that that, so if it's new, that can't be the reason they're profitable. Oh, I'm I also sorry. know about them. Well, that, like, I, I kind of went off on that because that was like the thing that I remember the most. I, the other thing is that the CEO apparently like, I, I don't know, like there were things that like the company needed to like really redo, like their their supply chain and like um there's there there was just things that like a normal company would need that was kind of outdated and it seems right. like they just focused on those things and it, it interesting bad. I, I'm I'm curious because like I, I I would be I'm I'm very skeptical I don't know that they're gonna die they, they, I just think that they're gonna like maintain two hundred to three hundred million dollars in in revenue I think they also f- in operating income for the rec- the rest of their life they also fought hard to the ma- uh, price match Amazon really I think. How? Like with uh, with vendors or what? Like oh, you can you can match. Like oh, you're getting the thing for. Well, that's right. For years, years and years, Best Buy did do the price matching if you find it cheaper elsewhere, but they wouldn't match Amazon's for years. It was like if you find this cheaper, I think I think they did that. Where if you find this cheaper, you can you can come in and show us, but not if it's on Amazon. Cheaper. Well, but but like all these tech companies also wanted the show. They 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 wanted to work with Best Buy because that's how they could get people into the door on their technology. What I don't understand is why Best Buy doesn't start an online marketplace for this stuff. Well, they revamped their e-commerce site. But you still, it's still not a, uh, it's still not a marketplace. Not a marketplace. No. Right. It's just you they're, they're buy still them holding the inventory. Right. The thing about Amazon, the efficiency that Amazon has found is that like they find stupid people to hold inventory and then they sell that inventory and take 15%. Mm-hmm. Also, more. you have people that need electronics like right now and they and they they don't even want to wait the day for Amazon. By, by the way, Amazon will take as much as like 50% of your revenues uh, on any given product with like advertising and everything else. Mm. As much as like 50 to 60%. It's amazing. They take 15% base, but if you're like advertising at all or doing anything like that, you're going to like end up in the like between 15% and 50% of your revenue just taken out. Huh. And Amazon just taking it for absolutely no reason, apart from like maintaining servers yeah. and being the website that everybody goes to, which is amazing. Yeah. Like it's it, like that's that's an amazing fact. Yeah. That's why a marketplace is so efficient. Huh. But it I guess I guess the thing here is that Best Buy is still around. Yeah. It's not it's not it's not even like it's not even like looking to go away. Well, yet. I think that Amazon and Best Buy are fundamentally different at the moment. In fact, I, if I were Best Buy, I would be selling products on Amazon. Yeah. Okay, okay, interesting. Cuz it's it's like Amazon's not holding inventory. Like here's the thing. I think that people think that like Amazon is the competitor to Best Buy and in some ways they are. Mm-hmm. Um but the reality is that Best Buy is like the biggest purchaser of a number of these products and could be selling on the Amazon marketplace with uh with with like the smallest margins. Mm-hmm. Or with with like margins that would just destroy everybody. Mm-hmm. 
They also have like bargaining power with these vendors to probably get people who are buying them and selling like product at below cost on Amazon to like get off Amazon. That, you know, that would be that would be one of the things that I would do if I were them. I'd be like leveraging my like ability as a huge purchaser to like get people off who are using their pro you know other products as a loss leader on Amazon mm. to like get them off Amazon um, and like establishing like price floors. There's a lot of companies that do that kind of thing. Do you think Best Buy is going to get acquired by some of these larger tech companies? I think that Amazon's going to buy Best Buy. I've been predicting yeah. that for like a long time. Oh yeah. Well, if you notice the Whole Food change, you notice how like, I mean the whole the Whole Foods that I've been going to, they oh, have yeah, a huge it's, it's Amazon, Amazon section. Again. Yeah. It's just Amazon now. Dude, you know what's funny about Whole Foods? I, I think that the reason Whole Foods got acquired more than anything mm -hmm. isn't because they were the biggest. It's because they're the only chain that you could really buy of notability, of, of any notable value, that has a, a presence everywhere in the nation. Like, Amazon couldn't buy Publix. Because be, Publix is only in the central. Right. They're only here. Because other supermarkets are very regional. Right. So you think they just wanted to, like, buy, like, a, a retail that's everywhere. Yes. That they can just stick their products in. Well, it's everywhere within reason. Within reason. Yeah, right. like they could they could use it as like a distribution point or whatever they want. They Basically, they bought warehouses. Yeah. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Well, uh -huh. well, I mean, part of the reason that we thought was that if they want to get into the food business, they have a whole supply chain that they kind of have yeah, access to. Yeah, but it's a nationwide supply chain. That's what's right. beautiful about Whole Foods is that they've already figured that out. Which makes a lot of sense. Uh huh. Which, and if you want a supply chain for all like these electronics and other what's items, what's Best also funny is that, that Amazon yeah. has been running experiences experiments in Whole Foods, and they're making like national news because like they're running out of vegetables in some Whole Foods. But they're running experiments with like supply chain stuff right now to make it more efficient. Huh. And they're failing at the moment, but I guarantee they'll get it right. So you know how like it's known that like working like being a floor guy at Amazon is like horrible because they they put you under a shit ton of pressure. Oh yeah. Have you noticed like the employees seem unhappier yet or? Is that just my imagination? I, I, I've been talking to people at, at Whole Foods whenever I go there, asking them. They're like, nothing's really changed. It's, it's pretty much the same. It's just that like we have to like you know we're Amazon centric. Um, we don't really like nothing's really changed from our day to day yet. I, I bet you it will. I bet the quality's gonna. Go I down bet it will. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'll bet you're gonna buy like rotten broccoli or something. Like no, I'm kidding. They're probably gonna start like removing employees and start like finding people that are very 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 friendly mm -hmm. and just like having them say hello in the stores. But like you know, they'll probably do a lot of the stock at night with like robots or something like that. You just wait. It'll be more Walmart-ish. No, I don't think it'll be Walmart-ish. I think that the pro. I think, I think that there's like a, a weird, like beautiful, like middle ground where you can find employees who are literally there to watch and say hello and be very kind and to direct you where you're going. But I think there's a level of automation that grocery stores have sort of avoided. And grocery stores, is, as as a concept, they're not that old. You know, they're. The, I don't know, like when. Uh, they, they were sort of invented, the, the way that they're, like, they look right now, they were sort of invented, I don't know, like 1930s, well, not 1930s, like 19, probably 20s or something like that, mm -hmm. with Piggly Wiggly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was that one of the first ones? That was the first modern grocery store. Huh. Uh, and Piggly Wiggly was, like, it's, if you want to read, there's a book called Business Adventures that has, like, a whole history of, like, oh, the Piggly Wiggly, uh, like, like stock. Uh, that's in there. Piggly, oh, Piggly Wiggly is one of the companies they talk about. That's Buffett's favorite book, right? It's a phenomenal book. There's, uh, the, the thing about Piggly Wiggly is that they had an, Business an enormous, yeah, they had an enormous, uh, like, a stock shorting uh, scandal where the, the, the owner of Piggly Wiggly, the one who, like, uh, was a CEO, went to New York for a while to, to fight the shorts. Huh. He even had this like an amazing scheme where he basically bought futures in the New York Times at a price below what they were at. I, th I think it was at below where they were at in the future um, in order to like stock, you know, like like support the price. It's it's a really amazing like time in history. Huh. That's really interesting. Uh-huh. Because what, what, what time period are we talking about here? Like probably, I, 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 bet, I bet that's like uh, probably the 40s. Probably the 30s or 40s. Yeah. Um, 
squiggly short. Why, why would it have been a scandal though? Well, because just anytime someone was getting shorted. It's um, a bit, yeah. Yeah. Looks like so. Uh, first outlet of, of Piggly Wiggly uh, in 1916. Now I'm thinking about food. Here it is. It's, it's, on, it's in the Wikipedia. So the success <laughs> of Piggly Wiggly was phenomenal, so much so that the independent and chain grocery stores changed its self-service in the 1920s and 1930s. At its peak in 1932, the company operated 2,660 stores and posted annual sales in excess of $180 million. In November 1922, this isn't like the early, in the 20s, right? Wow. Um, Saunders attempt to squeeze, attempted a squeeze on the substantial short interest in the stock, running the share price up from 40 to 120 and profiting by millions on paper. The stock exchange governors responded by deciding that a corner had been established in Piggly Wiggly and removed the stock from the board, eventually forcing Saunders to turn over his assets to the bank that had financed his leveraged position. Saunders reputedly lost $9 million in the attempted corner. Huh. So I mean it's it's very it's it's interesting. There's I mean the whole the whole thing is like it's an amazing it's an amazing story. And the business adventures book is like a very it's it's very worth like seeing. But Piggly Wiggly is still a, a thing in like a lot of states. It's, it's not like gone. Oh yeah. I think Alabama has a number of them. Huh. Um Yeah, that's that's Think about the grocery stores and stuff. Like I'm thinking of food now. Right. Which by the way guys, gift you can buy Whole Foods gift cards if you want to. Can you? That's true. You can <laughs> if you want to like <laughs> Whole Foods on uh what, what's the platform? The purse, purse.io, yeah. right? No, 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 not even on well on gift or oh, that's you, your you gift also. Well, yeah. I, I could I bought some nice or Paxful. A few weeks ago, I bought some steaks from Whole Foods. Were they good? Oh yeah, I, I what they were. I tried to. I, I've been doing the stove top cooking. Really? And uh, it's like a sear, so you have high heat. Only a few minutes. High Do salt. Do you use a pan or just put them right on your stove? No, I, I use a pan. <laughs> I'm not that barbaric. You're pretty barbaric. But that may actually, that may actually come out delicious. pretty well. You should try that. Because you just clean up after. Yeah, it's just like swipe it off with like a Clorox yeah. wipe or something like that. Yeah. Um, so we talked about the ad exchange stuff yeah. last week or last episode. Right. And like kind of how ads work. Uh-huh. Um, I guess one of the things that like we were talking about uh, is that... There's, there, there's this kind of narrative that like a lot of the new major newspapers out there, like like the New York Times and some of these other bigger sites, like anything from clickbaity shit like BuzzFeed to like you know normally well-established publications right. that seem to be very um, not into telling or factually reporting on what's actually going on, but coming out with these stories that are misrepresenting certain truths. Slandering certain people because that just maybe slandering them is controversial and that that gets views and that generates money. Right. And we've always kind of been under this impression that like these like New York Times style sites are going to away. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's the thing. Like, I think that I think that news has okay. So, so the thing about advertising in general is that it has it has grown independent of like the media industry. So, like, you'd think that the New York Times would have developed a lot of like the modern day infrastructure for advertising, but they haven't. It's been like Google, mm. right? And and what what has happened as a result of that is that nobody in the industry actually understands how ads work. Right. So you have like a lot of companies like uh, you know for years I would say the result of like Google and people understanding how ads worked isn't that like the New York Times made money? It was that the the internet grew in terms of bot traffic. Mm. So you know back in the early two thousands and in the nineties. I think advertising revenues were like you would you would get like twenty dollars per melee, which would be like you know twenty bucks per CPM. 
um, uh, if per thousand people per tier site, you might make twenty to thirty dollars. And as bot traffic grew, the price of that dropped precipitously down to like two and three dollars. And I think only until recently, like uh, people have actually been like uh, through like you know cookies and everything else, we're able to analyze traffic more in a way that allows us to determine what is bot traffic and what is like uh, actual traffic. Mm. So I think we're getting back to a point where we're getting paid on traffic in a way that is more more real in a way that actually like you know like reflects the the nature of your traffic so like not all internet traffic is three dollars traffic from some sites is worth twenty dollars cpm traffic from other sites is worth three traffic from others is worth like 12 cents mm. um so i think you're going to see like a resurgence of like uh act actual like revenues coming from advertising from sites that have legitimate traffic like the new york times because they're going to find better ways to monetize and actually like well, I think a lot of platforms that don't require that they understand how ads work are actually coming out of the woodwork mm -hmm. and, and actually paying like real decent amounts for, for advertising, which is interesting. Well, if they, if they actually like end up making more money, then they'll... Well, they might actually make, start making real news. Right, <laughs> right. Well, that's the point. Like their content's going to get better. And yeah. Like you're, you may actually like, it may actually go back to like right. New York Times and some of these others like... Whether you think that the they are like a gold standard of, of peer article or not, are going to maintain that position, and then you'll have like some of these other ones like do do better, right. con, do like more more news, report right. on the truth. Did you did you see the article that Dante sent us from prison? Yes, yes. That, that said, was, he, it, was, he, it was an article. It was a website. It was it was hilarious. I he, was laughing. He wrote down the website off. and used a pigeon to send it yeah, to us sure. from, from prison. Yep. Um, called Quaalude Bot. Don't tell them that because like now they're gonna go, go find the pigeon that like returns to him and kill it. Oh. Anyhow, quaaludebottle.com. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a, it was like a fan site of Quaaludes. Yeah. <laughs> which was hilarious. And they actually sell like bottles. Quaalude memorabilia. Empty, yeah. Quaalude memorabilia. Like which is great. I, of I think that we should give, uh, we should put like Tic Tacs and Quaaludes and like give them to people. Oh, yeah. That'd be a funny little thing. Just like, yeah. Well, but they said that when they put the site up, um, they've, they seem like they're pretty active and they were talking that they had fans that were sending them Quaaludes. Like they actually sent them like a thing of Quaaludes that they were, that they, got tested and they tried and they were like, oh yeah, these are actually really? quaaludes. So there are people that are making quaaludes. There are labs that are doing it. But one of the things that they alluded to is that like by the time quaaludes started going away, so like the late 80s, like 90s, like let's say the quaalude supplies are diminishing, the shift in drug culture to those types of party drugs moved over to like uh, like ecstasy and like now we have like, you know, whatever you want to call molly, whatever these chemicals are from China. I bet the cost of making those chemicals and making those things, like the, the profit margins are higher and it's just better to use those things versus like quaaludes. I'm definitely buying this. I just found a bronze a, quaalude oh. pill box. Oh, yeah, look at that. That's yeah, great. I'm going to put that on my desk. I, I like I like the idea of having like quaalude memorabilia. I think yeah. it's hilarious. Well, they were talking about how like they were so nostalgic for like the days when they were doing these quaaludes that like dude, everyone everybody loved quaaludes. And they also they also confirmed that South Africa was the last place to manufacture them. Do they still make them? Because I think I they don't do. No, if they do, I'm not sure. I, I want them to. But that's a great little site. That was a good find by Dante. Yeah, Dante, good job. Yeah, I really. <laughs> we can't wait till you're back, Dante. Uh, don't do anything too stupid. Yeah. In prison. Yeah. There's still no money in your legal defense fund, by the way. So like, we, we can't really help. Yeah. Well. The critters are assholes, dude. Um. Okay. I think that's everything for the week. I, we've done a two and a half hour show. So we, we did a lot. I have to piss like a racehorse. Dude, so you want to just do it in my hand? Okay. <laughs> the Sean, why don't you tell everyone where? where yeah, that's what that's, that's what you're into. Yeah. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you. Find me in uh, on Cam Four. You'll see my butt. 
<laughs> and uh, also the Ethereum Plus Coin Dojo. I'm also in the Ethereum Plus Coin Dojo. And anywhere there is a Junseth, sometimes it's not necessarily me, but it, I do confirm that it is Junseth. Uh, so join us in the Ethereum Plus Dojo. Uh, if you if you like this show, don't let anyone know about it. Go on to iTunes. Uh, you know, click the one star rating. Tell everyone why it's terrible. That is helpful for us to not be shown, <laughs> not show up anywhere. <laughs> this is Junseth chunking up the juice <laughs> in the south of Masses and go in peace, and Catherine. Pray for us. What's the lemonade? Do you want some lemonade? I have a lemonade stand. <laughs> I here. swear it's not from my my colostomy bag. Oh <laughs> like god. It's, uh, it looks like urine I know. <laughs> it's <laughs> fucking gross. It's um, but yeah, like uh yeah, I, I think this is a legit thing. Like I, I like I like that as a that's a hilarious marketing opportunity though. I'm glad they took it. Mm-hmm. The lemonade stand lawyers. Is that what they're called? What are they called? Do we know? I don't know. I can't actually find it. It's a lemonade company starts law firm. Well, because um, like I, you, you reminded me of it, but, and I actually think I remember seeing this. This was like a few weeks ago. But like, what's crazy too is like you you also had like some case of like a girl selling water in San Francisco, and then like this woman went viral because like she was bitching about it and called the cops on her. Dude, where where are the fucking libertarians on this? This is where they need to protest. Get your kids. Yeah. Have a lemonade standoff. <laughs> have them all go outside. Every, on, on like a, a certain day, I think you should get your and kids to sell Bitcoin right. on the street. Well, you could do that too, like, <laughs> like, like local local Bitcoin for kids. Yeah, and just like start using your kid to like like meet with like local uh, Bitcoin Junior, like like Jaraqua. <laughs> <laughs> J- 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 yeah. He meets him on the corner, gives him his Bitcoin. Got like I need Bitcoin right now. I got it. Yeah, <laughs> that's like that's a great that's that's a free range child uh, idea right there. <laughs> I like that. But I just like why not why not like have like all of the kids in a town that's insisting on like you know having licenses for selling uh, for selling lemonade stands have your kids go out and do lemonade stands and get them all arrested. It would be hilarious. Yeah. It would be <laughs> like like d- d- Donald Trump would be in your town in like three minutes, like calling your mayor retarded. <laughs> like what kind of idiot mayor? Puts children in in jail. You fucking idiot! Get them out. You know what he'll do? Donald Trump will like will issue pardons for the entire town. <laughs> All of the children will have presidential pardons. It will be the funniest thing ever. Yeah, I think I think that's if I were Donald Trump, that's the kind of opportunity I would take. Yeah. Also, I would free all the black people. Uh, who have oh uh, yeah you no know, yeah no, nonviolent drug crimes <laughs> on the record? I would like the October. We're all waiting for the October surprise, like Hillary Clinton or whoever he's going to run against. Probably has like uh, some person he's raped or something like that, and they're going to release it like the week before. If I were Donald Trump, I'd be like right after that. My chess move would be to release every uh, nonviolent drug criminal uh, in America, just like yeah. with a swipe of a pen, and he will like hands down win like every single person in every single low income neighborhood will vote for Trump. Yeah, and then also release all the kids who are in jail for running lemonade stands. That's the other thing you could do, and he'll win the election. Oh yeah, guaranteed. All the vote. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like that's oh, what I, I think that's a great protest that they should run. Put all of your children into like the streets, have them run lemonade stands, get them arrested, you know, like do the whole gamut. I think this will be just, it'll be great. And they'll be well fed in jail. It'll just be school now because all I the kids will be there. Videos to libertarians <laughs> like get pulled. Like, oh, they, they like get the their kids to say, I'm like, like, <laughs> or they get their kid to say, I'm a sovereign citizen. I'm a sovereign citizen. <laughs> <laughs> I am not owned by the man. <laughs> that's cute, kid. I'm gonna arrest your dad. <laughs> <laughs> I like watching those videos. You know, like on, on the one hand, I enjoy watching people be disrespectful to cops, <laughs> which is bad. I like cops; they're fine, whatever. I like I like watching it because it's it's like a fight. 
you know. Um, but I also like people who are being disrespectful to cops. I like watching the cops take them down and tackle them, and like just <laughs> it's so funny. Like it's, it's it's more like it's more like watching boxing, uh-huh. and like you're wondering who's gonna win. Yeah, it's like it's like boxing where like one party is severely deficient of resources <laughs> and like actual rights in the scenario, but wants to assert the rights that they don't have, and the other side is like. Like, dude, I'm just gonna arrest you or not. So, like, it's completely up to the cop how that interaction goes. Yeah, and they're they're very funny. They're very funny. Yeah, those are great videos. Yeah, there's like subreddits full of them. Too. I dude, I, the, bad cop no donuts is is <laughs> where you want to go if you want to get really angry. But there's a number of like subreddits where they like find examples of like people who think that they're you know doing that and like it goes badly for them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fucking hilarious. Uh, speaking of subreddits, just want everyone to know my my favorite is public freakout. That's, that's oh, I love word. public freakout. That's, that's great. great. That's What's like my a, guilty pleasure. Pussy pass denied is another great one. Oh yeah, I love that one. I haven't looked at that one in a long time. God, Speaking of pussy pass denied, <laughs> the women breaking barriers in crypto. Did you see this? Is you it, sent me some shit about like these women getting interviewed about like how there's like not many women in. in the blockchain cryptocurrency space, dude. They're all and all these all these women are like, I'm getting me mine. It's like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like like a lot of the messages like women got to get into crypto before men get all the money. Yeah. Which I think is hilarious because you're late. We already got it. Yeah. We already got it. Well, we were here. We were very open to anybody coming in. Because anybody we, could we, come. We were. What, we told everybody about it. We were like, hey, we're we're into Bitcoin. It's great. What, it, and all the girls and all the all these people. But mostly women were like, oh, that's lame. That's that's gay. Uh, I don't know if My any boyfriend's man out there, way too in this Bitcoin thing. I'm leaving him. He's so uh, stupid. If, if any man's ruined their first date with a girl by telling them way too much about Bitcoin. Oh, I, yeah. Raise your I hand. Raise your oh, hand. Yeah, that's like, raise your that's hand. Like, that's I did like, that. That's like at least five percent of Bitcoin guys, because yeah. the rest haven't gotten dates. But, uh, but at least five percent of Bitcoin guys have done that exact same thing. Oh yeah. And it, I think it's funny. I'm, I'm I'm watching these things, and I'm like, all the women are like, yeah, we we don't want to miss the opportunity again to get rich. Otherwise, this you know, we we like the, the men will get all the money again. I'm just like, I'm just watching. Like you, you are eight years too late. Yeah. It, this is amazing to me to watch this. I mean, most people are eight years too late, but like, you know what? Some risk takers were here a long time ago. And women are right. Men made Bitcoin extremely uncomfortable for them, but it wasn't like through misogyny. It was through like fart jokes mm-hmm. and like uncomfortable, nerdy, like inability to like discuss things in a way that like makes you a socialite. Yeah. Like that's how it was made uncomfortable. Not bros. Bros weren't here. Fraternities weren't here, except in one instance uh, where I heard a fraternity had a ton of Bitcoin because they were buying things in the dark market. That's neither here nor there. But like fraternity bros weren't here originally. Right. They were nerds and geeks and weirdos. And we like we're upset. We're, we're obsessed with Bitcoin because it's like the most crazy thing <laughs> that's ever happened. It's like it, it's very interesting. Yeah. And like we came in maybe because we thought the value would go up. But right. Like, we stuck around because it was really interesting. And do you know how many? W- do you know how many women over the years have been like, "My boyfriend's way too into this." Like that was an opportunity for you to get into it, but you didn't. Right. You didn't. And now that you see more money into it, you see how there is money in it. How not, many old girlfriends have like contacted you since like Bitcoin went up? Um, I because I bet I bet it's a lot. <laughs> I've come across a couple girls over the because uh, like, made comments about like, "Oh, I remember you like with." A very different demeanor. Girls that were not interested at all. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is funny. Like, I don't have a problem. Like, girls can come to Bitcoin. It's just fine. Yeah. But, like, stop pretending like any guys kept you out. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. Um, you also, like, what, what do you think about the idea that, like, if the more women kind of come into this, 
kind of suggests that like Bitcoin has been de-risked to a certain extent because like that's what I think. I was we, like, we, okay, we so it's it's getting yeah. de-risked. It's so it's so de-risked that you think it's now time to come in and, and, and like jump into the risky thing. Yeah, like it was it, like this is not the risk it used to be. Right. You no longer have the risk of like getting arrested because you own it. Mm-hmm. You, you know that was the thing that people were worried about back then. You no longer have the risk of like this thing going to zero like it was back in like 2011. Mm-hmm. It it could still, but like seems like everyone kind of is like here and adopting it and at least like playing with it. I don't think it goes to zero. Like you don't have that same risk that like people were afraid of in the early days of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. You don't. It's largely been de-risked. Yeah. Welcome to Bitcoin, ladies. Yeah. Like I, I don't know well, what to tell you. Even, even even in like the decade before Bitcoin, we were when you all, had the we rise were begging of te- you to when you come. Had the rise of computers and the internet, like you, you had a lot of uncertainty. I think for young people, you had a lot of uncertainties in what their career opportunities would look like if you got into tech. Here's my other and, thing. And then, and then within the last decade or so, you've had more women saying there's not enough women yeah. in tech and wanting to come in when it's kind of been de-risked because you know that like a pursuit in programming or, or in tech is actually can be pretty. Here's what really, like, really bothers me about the women that are coming into Bitcoin now. Mm-hmm. There have been women here for years. Years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And these women are so fucking disrespectful to those women. Because mm-hmm. those women, the ones that have been in Bitcoin the longest, are goddamn prostitutes and strippers. And they're the people that these women loathe. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that were here first. Yeah. They were the, don't tell me that men kept you out. Mm-hmm. They didn't. Men had plenty, there were plenty of women in Bitcoin. And all that, like all that I hear now is that Bitcoin is so much for the bros that the Bitcoin party, the after party at the Miami uh, Bitcoin uh, conference was at a strip club. Well, ladies, guess what? All of the women at that strip club have used and done more in Bitcoin than you have. Mm -hmm. So that is actually, weirdly, an appropriate place to have a Bitcoin after party. Yeah. Hate to say it. Yeah. But you don't know that because you're new. Yeah. And you're judgy. Yeah. And we like strippers. Um, okay. So, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm not kidding. But uh, Cody Wilson. Did you see this? No, I did not see this. What's, um, so what's going here? So I didn't know the entire story, but you know you know what he's been doing with Defense Distributed? Well, I knew that he was doing like the, 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 the 3D printing gun stuff. Right. So there was a battle that I guess has been going on for some time. I didn't really realize it was making its way through the courts. That whether or not he can release the files that they have for, I guess, like their designs. This is amazing. 3D printed vehicle guns. Oh, my God. Okay, but here's the thing. So, the, so like the court said, yeah, you can go ahead and publish what did They said this they is free speech? Yeah, of course it is. And well, what did the government think? Just here's the other thing too. Think of the administration thing going on with gun rights right now. A lot of it, I think, had to, I think I think the current administration may have had an effect here on this case. Um, Could have, despite the backlash against against guns, uh, you have like these certain like political tiny footballs that don't necessarily come from the top directly, but like this was a case that like the free speech advocates and and like Second Amendment advocates wanted. Like this looks favorable to have passed. So like, I think within the next month or so, like Defense Distributed is going to like have their a lot of this like these open source files to download various. They they have a bunch of gun designs parts. There's other. Some of these exist online already. Most of these are on the dark market, I guess, where you can find these. But I don't know. Like I was thinking about this. I was like, so if this actually goes through legally, like, can you imagine like the innovations that may happen in like the gun? 
area and like the 3D printing manufacturing because 3D printing has been one of those technologies that like people have been like claiming for a while, but like I haven't seen a lot of like uses. For well, that. a lot of these 3D printing things, like they're like the guns, as, as I understand it, like they're brittle, right? The materials for 3D printers. Mm-hmm. So I think the guns are like single use or like very limited use guns. But they're they not do, like they for do like have, they do have some more expensive 3D printers that will do like metal, I think. Yeah, but it's still pretty brittle. Yeah. Okay. So I mean that, that like I think brittleness is like a, a a big problem right now in 3D printing. That's why like you don't go to production with 3D printing. But yeah. like I think a lot of these guns they're like plastic parts and stuff like that. They're not made for like long-term use. Mm-hmm. So like you, you have like if if you think an AR15 is for killing people, what about a gun that's only got like, you know, one use in it? Yeah. <laughs> it's very weird. Yeah. Um and and like it but it does prove that you can't really regulate this. Mm-hmm. Like sorry guys. Yeah. Guns exist. Yeah. Which like, is maybe frustrating for well, people. I don't know. But, I mean, like, they exist. I mean, I guess that is kind of, like, what is the thing to th- think here. Like, you can't ban guns anymore. Like, no. There's, like, there's a huge... And th- the gun market is such a huge market. There's so many people that are into guns and stuff. I get it. I Like, I get the desire to. And I, I, I even, like, understand, like, maybe the desire to, like, ban certain kinds of guns. And I, I don't know that I have a problem with it. I don't know exactly what I think about, like, gun legislation. But, like... God damn it! Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what you can say to the fact that like you can just print a gun off of a you know like a like a little plastic maker. Mm-hmm. It's like it's pretty difficult for me to see like a world in which you can like put that genie back in the bottle. Mm-hmm. And of course, it had to be released. Well, like what are they like? What are they, what are they thinking? Like, it's first of all, it's free speech. Second, like holy hell! Like if if you don't release it to the public, it's going to be released. It's it's they're just gun plans. Like anyone could make them. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's completely ridiculous to think that, like, people aren't going to get their hands on these or that they won't make them themselves. Yeah. It's just, it's just absolutely ridiculous. I'm not sure to see if there's, like, some, like, startup ideas behind some of this, some of these designs and, like, making some of these things. Sure. Which is funny because, like, the defense distributed is in Austin and, like, Texas and Florida both are, like, big states with big gun cultures. Do we have... Like, I feel like Silicon Valley wouldn't want to touch this, but, right. like, there's a lot of other, like... Someone will. Like, like, yeah. like the, the, the gun valley is going to start up in, like, South Tex- Texas yeah. on the border. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have an update on uh, BitConnect. Oh, I this I, was like one of those things I, I that like I saw this. and I was like, I hope it's f- true. Um, I don't hope it's true, but it might be true. Apparently the director who I didn't know he was named, first of all, yeah. um, and I actually forgot to read the entire thing, but his <laughs> wife, went, his, his <laughs> wife went missing. Yeah. Um, BitConnector's director's wife missing. Um, and I think they're not really sure if it was a John, murder. Or John if it was Bigaton. A, but John Bigaton of Australia. That's the guy that who was like the top dog in this thing, or right. one of the one of the head top. And apparently his wife's missing. It may have been murder. It may have been suicide, which is sad. But we now have a name, and we have more information about who is behind BitConnect. Right. Which I thought was interesting because like we we had we have a lot of great memes from BitConnect, but we haven't. You know. So many great memes. Uh, I mean, like yeah, I, like I, I think this is. I mean, it's sad, but like. Holy hell! Like, uh, what what did you expect? It says that he's under investigation by the FBI, so there is pursuit against him for. Well, you know, they have two Indian guys that were in possession of his keys or her keys, apparently, like like a week after her death, after her car was like found on the edge of a cliff, huh. which is interesting. I wonder how they got the keys. They have like cell, like you know, were they emitting a signal? Yeah. Like just, they search everybody in Australia for like car keys. <laughs> like, how the fuck did they find car keys on like two guys? It's a weird. Case. Yeah, the whole thing is strange. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Not as strange, however, is Haiti uh, really working to become a better country? They're becoming so, such so a better country. No, they are. <laughs> Haiti realized Haiti realized that they they need to do some work, so they just they're burning their country down right now. 
It's so fucked. <laughs> no, someone told me this. So, 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 someone, <laughs> someone said to me, they go, have you heard about the protests in Haiti? And I go, are they burning their own country down again? And they go, yeah, how did you know? I was like, well, of course. It's Haiti. Haiti. <laughs> <laughs> what, like, they what had, did you expect? They, <laughs> they announced higher gas prices, and the people, re- the people reacted to becoming more in poverty by putting themselves more in poverty. Of course they did. Which, like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to tell you. Like, when you're bur- <laughs> when you have nothing and you burn everything down. Like, yeah. Like the country, it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, they have a habit of doing it, but it's it's amazing to me. It's such a cultural thing that it's like, yeah, no wonder you guys are. That's why. That's why their. That's why their biggest export for years was charcoal, (laughs) (laughs) which is not false. That is true. Yeah, it was the charcoal. It's yeah. like they burned their whole forest down to make charcoal, <laughs> and and now they're like out of that resource, so they have to like find charcoal elsewhere. Like so, like in in their in their homes. <laughs> they have to burn the cookies. <laughs> Why are you burning it? There's charcoal in the walls. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not that funny though. Um, well, it's I mean, it's yeah. sad, Sean. <laughs> On a final note, Justin Trudeau yeah, you has been me too. <laughs> He has been <laughs> me too. Really well, oh kind, my god, yeah, but dude, like, dude this me is the most credible movement, me too I've ever seen. But this didn't gain that much traction. I know that because it's Trudeau. They know that they can't eat their own. Right. They're, well, they're trying not to eat their well, own. Well, they they're trying. They're not trying to. really hard. But this came close. He is accused of doing things when he was like groping an eighteen-year-old or really? groping a woman when he was eighteen. He, right. That was that one. was a new one then. It says he denies groping female reporter eighteen. Years oh, okay. Ago. So that was okay. Eighteen years ago. Years ago. Um. So uh, I mean, that was stupid. it. Was dude. It was. It, it's. It's the most amazing story. Like he's at a party and he like makes an advance on on this girl, and then he he reportedly said after she like mentioned that she was uncomfortable, he reportedly said, "I wouldn't have been so forward had I known that you were a reporter for a national news outlet." <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> so. Yeah, but like now he's prime minister. Yeah, well, but like all, all every man, like all of these guys that are like in the in, in the public have, like I don't know, like you're just a, let me you're, let me tell you, you're a guy that's gonna like do things. Let me tell you what's funny about the Trudeau one. Okay. All right, so like there a lot of these like a lot of these like uh, Me Too stuff. Um, when I hear about them, they're like, oh yeah, back in the '80s, he came up to me and he said, "You're very pretty," and. Uh, then he tried to like ask me out or kiss me or something like. That. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, like in the '80s things were a little different. Like it doesn't make it right, but like whatever. Um, it was it was like a different time. And like in the '90s, he never did that or never would have done that because it was a different cultural like sort of context. And and we change, right? Walking up to a female reporter and groping her has always been wrong. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's like true. there's not a time in history when we'd be like, yeah. It's like that has always been wrong ever since like the 80s. Yeah. Like when he was a kid, it was wrong. And then when he was an adult, it was wrong. It's yeah, always been wrong. That's true. There's never a time when you could point to like, oh, culturally, like that was acceptable back in like, I don't know, never, mm-hmm. never. Benjamin Franklin probably couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And that guy was like a, a whoring like motherfucker. Yeah. So like, kind of like you. Yeah. We're kind of talking about like, so today we talked about Peterson and like the Me Too thing. Like, where do you? I don't know. Any any thoughts about like where this goes? Because like when Trudeau starts getting, I, I've I've always at, said it. They have to eat their own. Yeah. Like I, I get it. Like there there's like real examples of like uh, of of abuse that need to be dealt with. You know, and uh, and they should be dealt with. But like I don't know. Like I, I I see I see it coming from like a group of factionalists who eat who who have who have always been separatists mm-hmm. 
And it, it's a political movement at this point. It's not like a female empowerment movement. It, it looks to me like a political movement. Mm-hmm. So, like, it has to end up doing what politics do and eat its own. Mm-hmm. Has to. Yeah. So I don't, like, I wouldn't be surprised if it continues, if we continue on this trajectory, like, there's a strong possibility in my mind that, like, the Me Too movement, like, starts, you know, self-accusing and, mm. and imploding in that way. And that's, that's uh, I don't know. I mean, like, look, it started in Hollywood. I've said this before, like everyone knew that Hollywood was like rife with this crap. Mm-hmm. Like I was told as a kid it was. Um, so like, why is it a surprise to everybody that it is? Yeah. Right. Like, I don't know. It That blows my mind that like we're dealing with this now. And like, I was like, well, I don't get it. You know, like, what did you think that Roman Polanski was the only one in Hollywood who was like a, a, a weird creepo? <laughs> it, it wasn't like, come on. Yeah. Like, it's, like, it's been everybody. It's like, this is the culture of Hollywood. They make movies about it. Yeah. So. Anyhow, I think that's everything today. Yeah. That was that last part, uh, Justin Trudeau was Bitcoin related. Of course. In my mind. Everything's Bitcoin related. (laughs) I think a lot it was weird. Today we did like some, you know, mix of news, Bitcoin, crypto, a lot of the Bitcoin stuff being at the beginning, which is unusual because usually we don't we bury the lead uh, on Junset's world. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow. Sean, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on Ken4. Oh yeah? If you want to see me. Well, nobody. And if you want to maybe talk to me, I'm on uh Telegram, we're in our little Ethereum plus Ethereum Coin Dojo. Ethereum plus Coin Dojo. Okay, yeah. I'm John Seth. I'm in the same place as Sean. Well, not quite the same. No. Well, well, not on camp. Do you want to be? <laughs> I'll think about it. <laughs> think about it. Yeah. Uh, I'm also in the Ethereum plus Coin Dojo. New job opportunities. What's that? New, new jobs created. That's right. See? Vake is right. I'm telling you. There are new jobs being created every day. Just take your like, do you know out. how many people can be camboys? <laughs> Everybody. Yeah. Vake, you can be a camboy too if you know. That's actually not a bad point. You're, if, you're, if you you're, end up being automated away, your medical career gets automated. Right. Away. If if it gets automated away, I think Sean has a job for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it ain't playing Fortnite. It's a better job. Yeah. Right. So uh, yeah, I'm Johnson chunking up the deuce in the south of masses. Then I go in peace, Saint Catherine. Pray for us. <laughs>